If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to the Winners Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm so happy, and also Dan. And this is Extortion. It's episode Whoa! 11, season 40, Survivor Winners at War. Um, Sorry, I love the Extortion Advantage. Uh, I'm just gonna... I mean, <laughs> before I we can't get... believe you're blindsiding me with the Extortion <laughs> Advantage up front. Uh, I need to get the, the positive bread of my compliment sandwich out of the way first. Because it's a big meaty negative one for me, this episode is. Um, I don't know, I think it can play out in a lot of interesting ways. There's a lot of, like, uh, like inflection points. Inflection points? Like, points where it changes. Like, the people who have it have to decide how much they want to extort. The person who gets it needs to decide what they're going to do, if it's worth it. Um, the people they go to have to decide whether it's worth it. You could just throw it all away and say, I have this advantage, but maybe I won't uh, actually be extorted. And like, I'll just say I'm getting extorted, but keep all the tokens. Like, fun decision points. See, Joe, I agree with a lot of what you're saying in that, yeah, it's fun seeing people assemble fire tokens, and it's fun uh, having him weigh whether... He needs to keep the advantage or just take the punishment and that kind of, uh, like, yeah, inflection point. The problem, that's just what Fire Token should have been. You don't need the extortion advantage. That should just be the premise of what Fire Tokens are. In this format, it should be like edge people are like, from the start, oh, this safety without power thing, maybe I'll charge six tokens. And then you get the same drama from that, but naturally, instead of you can't vote or compete um unless you do this thing like i think it's a unnecessary hurdle to what should have just been already happening it's like um replacing water with i don't know like something else and you know like it's like wow water hydrates you and keeps you alive and instead you drink like acid because it keeps you alive or something like i don't know it's replacing something that just it's an unnecessary hurdle i mean yeah i wish all the advantages would have been like this but i'm not gonna be sad that there finally is one that is that way all this shows that that it actually would have worked well so yeah this this is the like look how cool fire tokens could have been the episode Mm -hmm. But they give you nothing, and so they just let the guy participate as regular. Like, that's the that's the problem, is it was anticlimactic. Like, it's like, woo, look how fun this could have been. And for that treat, you get a regular event happening. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. sure. That said, I don't know, I can't even hate it too much. Like, I want, I want to, like, I, I'm like a purist, all that. It was so entertaining. Why? Because this was an amazing episode of Survivor. This was easily the best of the season. I don't even think it's close. I think that speaks a little bit to this season. But I do think this is a memorably great episode for a variety of different ways. But perhaps most importantly, Tony is back. A lot of this season, I have mentioned that Tony is, and Kageyan, my favorite Survivor player of all time. And this season, I was like, yawn, he's so boring. And this episode, I was like, 
Oh, I love Tony again. Like, this is the Tony I love. Obviously, there's uh, a lot of things with this episode. For example, it was pretty much just Tony. But I think that was fine, considering he's been lame before this. And this was his coming away party. And not only that, but it paid off. Like, it rewarded me for paying attention that it was boring. Because Tony doesn't just say, like, oh, I'm back. He's like, I'm back. And I'm sorry for being boring. I was being patient. I had to be that way. I was frothing for those idols. I just couldn't go. But now I am, and I'm here, and I'm ready to play. And I loved everything about this episode. I thought it was one of the best Edge of Extinction usage they've done. I thought, um, like, there was great gravitas behind the boot. So many things that I can't wait to talk about in this episode. The challenge was whatever. But overall, this was a fire episode of survivor i mean i'm also excited to talk about the challenge however whatever happened there uh and for the episode itself i get like why people love it like if you're a tony fan this is your dream like this is quintessential tony at his best Uh, i mean this was the episode that made me realize i'll never be a tony fan i didn't like it he was also doing things that like i felt for me we're taking the season down a path I didn't really want to go. <laughs> I mean, obviously getting rid of Sophie is that thing. So yeah, it just, I think more left a bad taste in my mouth than anything. But I agree that there were definitely like good points. And for me, a lot of those good points happened where sort of the episode left room for people other than Tony. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. And I think one thing that to me is so strong about this episode is that they were smart enough. And I I really do think that this is a tough line to draw is that they use Tony not necessarily just as like, look how great Tony is, which is easy to do. But instead, they used him in many parts as a foil to highlight the other characters. And I think that is ultimately what cemented this as a phenomenal episode of Survivor versus like a really fun character study in Tony. Because I think things like Kim, Kim was highlighted in a really fun way as the girl who sees through Tony. She is, mm-hmm. uh, she cuts right through his mask. Uh, you have people like Sarah being the antithesis to Tony. She is fun and goofy and playing the social game that Tony is neglecting. Uh, you have like everybody's story in this episode was connected to Tony, but it wasn't just like, ooh, Tony's good, Tony's bad. It was how they're reacting to this um, element of agent of chaos existing within them and what that means about them as people. Jeremy with his meat shields. It was all, like, we, we got good content from everybody in this episode. It just, it was focused on Tony. And I think as a result, they made a amazing episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for an episode that a lot of people want to give, like, Tony, like, uh whatever rating six i mean that's not how edic works it caps at a five for a reason but like yeah i definitely if that did happen would have got like a six or higher uh for an episode that had that level of visibility disparity like it still works really well like there's a lot of tony there but like you're right everyone got content that's sort of related back to their own story um and how we've seen them so far in the season and a little bit of where they're going from here and it reframed most people's stories even michelle got to kind of reframe her story relative to tony jeremy got to um like literally literally everybody did and i think that is what made this episode so good and honestly it's the opposite of what usually happens with these kind of character 
focused episodes like you flash back to like this felt kind of like a samoa season or like Mm -hmm. like survivor samoa not a samoa season but where some of the episodes were like that the good episodes of samoa are the ones that use russell to compare against everybody else and you learn about the whole society as a whole and how good russell is or whatever the bad ones were like russell talks the whole time and leaves no room for other people to breathe that wasn't this this did have amazing moments i won't forget like the fashion show the fashion show was incredible Mm -hmm. yeah we sort of researching because i think the number that's going around for the number of confessionals tony got in this episode is 18 which is the most in a single episode even including finales but like definitely not including like two hour episodes in that um But we were trying to look for other examples of people who got a lot of confessionals in one episode. And one we found was Troizan got 14 confessionals in the leaf boot of One World. And we were able to look through like a confessional transcript of that. And you can just see how it's different because he gets all those confessionals, but then no one else is really telling any story. Like it's just told from Troizan's point of view and everyone else is sort of pushed to the side. Yeah, and one thing that I think is interesting about that episode, examining it, it's like, it was all from Troyzan's perspective. I believe it was two other people got two tiny confessionals. Kim got one and everybody else got zero. Mm-hmm. And then Troyzan got 14. Very interesting. He just soaks up all the screen time there. It's him effectively having the last chance. People always talk about how dominant Kim's game was. This was Troyzan targeting Kim and really desperately hoping he could rally the troops to get Kim out. It was also the last time Kim was vulnerable other than like to really go home. Like this was the last chance, the last frontier to be able to make the season not a Kim's Bradland domination. She was immune most of the rest of the tribals. And that's, I think, why Troyzan got so much here. Troyzan even has a confessional where he says... Like, if we don't act right now, Kim's going to pick us all off. Everybody thinks that Kim's their number one, uh, but they're just lining up to be six, seven, five, four. She's the top dog. We need to take her out now. And it's like the story of how no one listened. That's how you summarize that season. That's a season-defining episode. And I think when you look at all these um, non-finale, most confessional episodes, that's what they are. It's the defining moment of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think looking sort of at this episode in a vacuum, but also the stuff around it, um, like Tony and Sarah's relationship or Sophie's edit so far, this definitely feels like that season defining episode. I would say there's still some sort of speculation as to in what way it's defining the season, as it's just the big move that sort of turns the game on its head or it is pointing to like some of these characters really showing why they're going to win this game yeah, or i guess I mean, one of them <laughs> to i mean kind of address up that point so the other ones in that tier of most confessionals non-finale you have lex in africa obviously is not your winner taking out t-bird huge move uh showing his force how dominant lex is uh, weirdly, you have Andrew Savage in Pearl Islands in the Lillian boot. Um, you have Stephanie uh, in Palau at that episode when it's just her and Bobby John there making fire against each other. It makes sense. It's a character study. There's two people, really, to have any drama there. 
Um, like that that episode is about who will survive, and then you have um apparently Lex again. Yeah, apparently also is that what? <laughs> yeah, like for the most part, this is not winners. The one exception to that being Chris Dougherty gets 16 in the Julie vote out, where it's basically Survivor Vanuatu is about how Chris was able to con the women into and like brutally backstab them with no remorse. And the Julie boot is the one that kind of encapsulates that at the end of the game. He that's who he has to plead, plead for the win to. And like, it really is the episode that defines the season, but most of these are not the winner. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously the sort of things I think uh, me and other Tony skeptics might've thought of immediately is like, Oh, this, it does feel like a green sucking Russell Hans episode in some ways, or, um rick devins like this is edge of extinction like this kind of feels like the content rick devins might have gotten i mean who's to say what's right or not but i also think what this feels like is standard tony so like we're back in tony's winner edit range so there's also that possibility too and so basically since the episode it's just me sort of thinking about all these things and being like but what's really happening I don't know yeah, if I no, have a good answer. <laughs> I think this episode was super fun for that reason, because I don't think it was clear, like, this is the Tony coronation. I think this was the thank you to Tony. Mm-hmm. Whether that's thank you, yada yada, eventually you win, or if it's thank you, it sets the tone for the rest of the season. Last week, I really was banging the drum of, I think next week is going to be the split of Tara, Sarah and Tony, and I think we're going to see a war. I think that's what we're seeing here in this episode start in i don't know i really think that there's some things in this episode that really like raise the bar of the emotional investment you have in these people mm-hmm. and i'm so ready for the rest of the season in a way i haven't been before like i've been like good on this season like i enjoy it but i don't think it's been that great this episode was great and I feel like the rest of this episode is in this season could be great. And that's what makes me really excited. I feel like this was like a new premiere kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I get that. I'm sort of I'm skeptical because I do feel like it is leading down a very Tony centric path uh, all the way to the end. And I know, like I said, I'm not a I'm not a Tony fan. And I've like learned that I liked early boring Tony. I think he was a little more subdued. Uh, um, but yeah, this in your face, Tony. Doesn't enthuse me as much, but that is a possibility. Make a brief uh, uh, path uh, switch here. Let's talk about that immunity challenge. <laughs> Something weird happened, right? Um, it was just bizarre. Yeah, so, like, the challenge itself, I hated. Like, I don't know, the poll was too long, and I didn't really understand how they were balancing this. Like, could they tip it all the way back on that slanted surface? Or I didn't know what was going on there. So, just start there. Um, so Kim drops out early, and then when they switch, they, like, switch back two stages. So apparently Kim was just really bad at it, and everyone else was able to last until that last stage. At which point, several people drop out just trying to adjust. So there's that. And then, of course, whatever happens at the very end. <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimate mystery in this episode, I think, is I don't think we've ever seen somebody look so sad to win immunity as Tony. Like, he's like, oh, man, no way. Like, really trying to downplay it to Jeff, to everybody. Did Jeremy throw this? I mean, I guess I've been so busy thinking about, like, who's winning this season that I didn't really 
devote a lot of mental space to this, but it is so weird because he literally just drops out right after Ben. Mm. Like instantaneously after Ben. And not mm. only that, Jeremy gives these amazing death glare eyes at Ben at Tribal, but he also does that at Tony right when he drops. Like Ben is, or uh, Jeremy is glaring right at Tony in the same way that he was glaring at Ben. Kind of, I feel like, I don't know if he was mad he agreed to throw or if he was mad Tony won. Like, there's something weird going on there, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of think, I don't know, if the plan, which had probably been discussed before immunity, was for that group of four plus Tony to vote Ben, like, then that's really all you need. Like, you don't, you probably almost want Tony to win it so that he feels safe and can flip with you. Which, I mean, he eventually did, and I think that's part of it. Uh, but then on the other hand, like, it's also great if Jeremy just wins immunity and doesn't have to worry about it, so... I kind I... of wonder if this was conditional on Jeremy giving him the fire tokens. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of feels like there might be that element here going on, because Jeremy obviously volunteers the fire tokens to Tony. Um, as, I mean, who would ever say no in that situation? Like, it's kind of a, you have to Wait. say yes. Wait, why? It's I feel like the value of one fire token versus a new enemy because you're refusing is calculus that no one's going to be like, yes, I will v- refuse to give you this. Can't you just lie and say you don't have any? Yeah, that's the other play. Like if but if you ha- if it's known you have some, like it is for Jeremy, like he just won the immunity a couple weeks back. He could like, say spent it all on the safety without power. I guess. I mean, that's that's an option. I guess it's lie and say you have none or volunteer one. Like, I don't, I think those are your options. Sure. Okay. Like, or they're locked up or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a straight up lie or volunteering, but like maybe what it is, is Tony's like, well, okay. If it's us two at the end, throw it to me, I'll get, I'll pay you back. And then I can also pay back Ben. Mm-hmm. Like that probably makes sense. Sure. I think that's really risky. Like, don't make, I don't know, it's something they said in the token chain season of uh, the evolution of strategy, but it's like, don't make promises for the future in Survivor, because, like, there's no necessary imperative that they're going to be kept. 100%. And also, just, like, in general, people tend to not have that much gratitude. Like, that is a trend in Survivor. Mm -hmm. One thing I do want to talk about, so I think that's, I mean, it's a weird mystery. I also love your catch there of the strange editing choice. I mean, I think it's to protect him, like, a little bit. Yeah, it's like, I mean, way later on, we'll get to my tinfoil hat Kim theory. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they they didn't want to show that she was, like, a caliber of worse than everybody else, seemingly, (laughs) at this, right? Like, yeah. so I get that, and also, I don't know. But, yeah, that was a good catch. That's good for that, that challenge there. I think one thing that I ultimately is another thing that I've been kind of advocating here for Survivor for so long, and I think this season overwhelmingly failed to do, is this whole lying about who's going home stuff. They frequently have given us fake boot targets, like Tyson last week, right? His name was mentioned like once at the start of the episode. Other than that, was not really a name thrown out there. It's like, ooh, shock, blindside. That's supposed to be good. I always think you shouldn't lie to your audience. You should find clever ways to make the story still intriguing, which way it's going to go, but without lying about how it gets there. I think this episode hit that nail perfectly, threaded that needle in a way that is what I want from Survivor. I think think it did pretty good. I think it almost took a sort of alternate path where you have these two plans that are almost competing, and then there's this sort of Hail Mary 
Sophie plan that sort of comes out of nowhere. And it looks like an like legitimate third option. And of course it happened. So I think, yeah, I think this did a good job of it. Yeah, I just, it's I, where, oh, go. I guess I don't know if I had as many problems with like Tyson last episode. Yeah, Tyson, Tyson wasn't so bad. There, but I'm trying to think like some of these have been that bad though. Like in that tier, like it, it's the game changer format of just don't tell at all who's going home and boom, Michaela's gone. Isn't that a crazy good episode? It's like, no, right. I feel cheated. This one, the drama of the episode, the, the lingering question going into tribal was not, oh my God, what chaos is going to show up and leave and who's going to get the most votes and all that. It was instead, will Jeremy save himself or not? And I think the episode did a marvelous job of putting doubt in your mind. Is Jeremy going to vote himself out? They focused the episode on one decision. That's what this was about, was one person's decision that we're informed is the one that's going to save him. Does he do it or not? And I really think that they left it pretty vague. I was going into tribal personally being like, I can't believe Jeremy's going to give this guy a fire token, potentially throw in the challenge and get voted out by him. That's where I thought we were going. But you had that amazing Tony confessional when he's like, if Jeremy votes with us, he stays. If he decides not to believe me, Jeremy's going home. Bye-bye. And that's what the episode's ultimate fulcrum point is. And that's what I want from Survivor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if this is the only, I guess good episode we get uh i'm glad that they really focused it on this sort of time when everything was fleshed out apparently before tribal council it's an interesting move i'll give it that like a four three two it's like an evolution of the three two one um for three yeah so like i'm glad i feel like they really had an opportunity to sort of accurately show what was going on and show it very captivatingly so yeah I think they took full advantage of it. Up to and including, like, him seeing through him and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm, For sure. Really think that was amazing. Uh, there's one moment I'm going to talk about in a more sophisticated way later and more in depth. But I think the moment when Tyson's talking about how brutal it is to get voted out and how it haunts people for years. And it's who you eat, like... Tyson's usually goofy, fun Tyson, but he's, like, serious. Like, it's when the funny guy goes serious, you take it super serious, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that's when everyone listens. And him telling you that really, I think, up the drama of the entire episode. And I can't wait to uh, dissect that a little bit more because that, to me, this episode, I left with goosebumps. Like, in a way that I want Survivor Boots to feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that moment definitely stood out. Because we're sort of expecting, what are we going to get from Tyson? Is it going to rebound in some way so we can consider him as a winner contender again? And it wasn't really that, but instead it was this very serious moment. And almost very dark and appealing, I guess. Yeah, and I guess the other... um, I mean, shout out to the awesome editing of that... um, fashion show spectacular yep. mm-hmm. yeah i saw like a few previews for it and i was like oh this probably isn't gonna like get that much in the episode and then i got like the perfect amount of content and like really interesting and i know i feel like these people do balance off each other so well that they can create really captivating tv just in everyday conversation no like straight up to me this episode was what this season should and could have been. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are so many botched episodes, like last week, when it's just the family visit for 30 minutes and then five minutes of strategy. Like, stuff like that weighs on the season. It, it Like, 
the the back like the camel's back can only hold so much. Mm-hmm. Edge of Extinction, like Natalie Anderson had the most confessionals by like episode six. So there's like six episodes where no one was really developed at all. When you have the greatest cast of all time, like the best group of people they've ever assembled, and they didn't have many even fully fledged characters by the merge. I really think that this episode, where I feel like Nick, Kim, um, Jeremy, Michelle, Sarah, obviously Tony were more developed in this episode where Tony got 17 confessionals or 18 confessionals than the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And that's like one A plus to this episode. But also how is Jeremy more developed in this episode where a guy got 17 confessionals than the rest of the season? That's, I feel like this should have been the best season of all time. And it's not because of bad time management, bad economy of time, choices throughout the season right yeah i i think i got to the first commercial break on the live watch and was like well this like makes up for like this 10 minutes was better than the 10 minutes of strategy we got last episode so yeah yeah. and i'm sure some of that is this is the first week where like this is probably the first good move of the season right like other i mean the denise sandra one sure but this is the first time where like someone really took the into like grabbed the brass ring and really, like, did a move. I feel like most of the other ones, it's like, chaos happened, smiley face. Well, and maybe it's getting down to a more manageable number edit-wise. Like, I mean, you think about the first of the call tribal council, and that was, like, 10 people. And it was, oh, my gosh, chaos. And then all these early ones where it's been, thir- or like, 12 or to 10 people. Yeah, it's chaos. But now that you're getting down to numbers... I mean, smaller numbers naturally, but also numbers I think the Survivor editing team is more used to dealing with. They can sort of put everything into place easier and make a better episode, better narrative. I mean, even Edge was Natalie and Parvati. That was it, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. Tyson, I guess. Like, But, like, Tyson got one line. Natalie and Parvati get their little moment. So it was really, like, like a merge, like a regular merge episode. Like, 11 people. Mm -hmm. Not... Like, Edge of Extinction, which is 20 people. Right. And I really think that's the difference. Is like, this episode, they were not willing to throw any time away. They wanted all good stuff in this episode. And mm-hmm. I feel like it resolved a lot of our stories. And I can't wait to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Should we do that then? Sure. Okay. So I think a primary story that was all throughout the episode um, is the one we've been going back to, The Nature of Truth. And that's about, like, who knows the truth in this game? What is the truth? truthfulness over deception um i mean jeremy sort of bookended the episode with it's his reason for why he used his advantage is he didn't know what the truth was of the last tribal council and then at tribal council this episode he talks about how everyone is spouting half truth and i think that echoes what we've been seeing we talked in a previous episode about how it just seems like everyone is just saying yes to every plan and then deciding later and how that's Potentially bad, but it matches what Jeremy said here. Also pays off what we've been tracking this whole time, right? Where Boston Rob in that premiere, he opts to trust Danny because she gives him the full truth, even if it's ugly, right? Like, even if it's bad, even if it doesn't work for him, it's not the half truth. It's not the pleasantry. It's not anything like that. It's not what Ben gave him, the half truth. She mm-hmm. He prefers the unpleasant full truth to the pleasant truth or half truth right and that's i think what this is all about um additionally that was an amazing confessional from jeremy i thought that was a great moment when it was just like one person after another and it's like i saw kim and i saw tony and then i saw 
Like, that was really fun. I love the mm-hmm. Houdini moment. Really, like, good exploration of this theme that they've really well set up throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out from here. I don't think it's by any means done. I think it has the potential to be a sort of uh, presiding theme over the whole season. You have, of course, I mean, Tony just told a big big lie to his cop service partner, Sarah. So what's going to happen there? Um, There's sort of Kim who sticks out as someone who seemingly always sees the truth. She always has a pretty accurate read on what's going on. What does that mean for this story and for her game? Read Additionally, um, part of this has always been how Tyson, Tony, everybody uses humor or goofiness or outlandish behavior to mask the fact that they're being deceitful. Like, that's part of this, this whole way. And I think this is the episode that really paid that off again. You have, this is the one where Tony's like, no longer will I be patient, Tony. I've been patient for too long. Now's when the mask comes off and I'm going to make a big move. Um, He repeatedly tells people, I can't be seen here too long, paying off this whole house arrest part of this idea of like he can only be with jeremy for so long he's like take it or leave it that's what you got peace out does the same with michelle does the same with nick this is crazy how well they've built this theme up that even at tribal tony's saying yeah no one talked today we we were so tired after last night uh we just agreed we're gonna do this plan and we all know they do it like that's dramatic irony we all know there's more to this story a hit's going on tonight. Tony's orchestrating it, and he's mm-hmm. laughing and goofing off to make you not see it. And that mm-hmm. was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, a little like peek into this part of it, the goofiness part, is sort of Sarah's fashion show. Huh. Like She uses it an example of her social game, but I think you sort of see her being a little sillier as sort of her opening up and getting people to trust her. And in the same, almost in the same way Tony's ladder did, right? Like it's the same story, like history rhymes kind of thing where now it's Sarah's fashion show is masking her deception in the same way that Tony's ladder did in episode three or whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, fully explored theme. That really was like the theme of this episode from Jeremy, from Tony to Sarah it was all over the place, and the ultimate um, hinging fulcrum point here was Jeremy deciding whether... Honestly, it was like... To me, it gave me the Matrix vibe here. When Tony is Morpheus, he's going to Jeremy, and he's like, everything you know is a lie. Your alliances are broken. Kim and Denise are not with you. You thought you could trust me. You couldn't, but now you can. Trust me, take the... I think it's the red pill. That's the... Uh, see the truth and blue pill brings you back to the normal Um, yeah it's it's that way it's that way (laughs) and he's like take the red pill vote sophie trust me your entire world is a lie and it was so well done like i love that they left that as the question because really that's what it was is tony was forced to unmask himself to jeremy and be like i was playing you i am no longer playing you please trust me Mm -hmm. which brings us i guess to the next theme here which is how do you use your past to create your present? Obviously, I think this uh, pays off in the same way with sort of Tony's um, deception here. But I think um, you see it more all over the place as well. Yeah, I think I just brought this up because we once again, like, got why certain people are to be targeted. Uh, Ben and Jeremy have this 
sort of conversation right at the beginning where, um, I mean, Jeremy talks earlier about his meat shield strategy and then Ben goes to him and then says, you're the scariest person on the island. You're the target. So there's all sorts of talk. And of course, the resume talk uh, at the end of the episode, um, talking about how you don't want to have too big a resume too early, having a empty resume, stuff like that. Additionally, Michelle's pitch here at the start of the episode that kind of illuminated what was going on last week. Like Michelle's like, just like in Co-Rong, just like multiple other times this season, I'm left out of the vote again. Technically, she did vote Tyson, but it's clear that she, it was a guess or like she wasn't included. She was still on the outside despite technically voting correct. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing here, right? And Korong, she ends up voting wrong multiple times. And that same pain is triggering her here too. And she's like, oh my God, I need to reframe, refocus and move forward. Um, <laughs> Additionally, I think... Actually, one thing fits here too, but I'm going to wait for it for another thing because I think it pays off more there. Okay. And I think if there's anything else super major, oh, one here is this has always kind of been tied to Edge of Extinction. And you do have that moment when Parvati and uh, Natalie are deciding who to give this to. And they're like, Mm -hmm. who's the one person that would give everything to compete and play Survivor? And they pick Tony. Like, that's all right. based on who he was before, because neither of them met Tony in this game. That's, yeah, that's very fair. I thought that was a good read, to be honest. Like, Tony is the right choice here. Uh, yeah, and I mean, also the most interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Parvati is Team TV. <laughs> in more ways than one. Like, good mm-hmm. TV and benefiting Tony Blockos. Um, On to the eternal battle of the crab versus the snake, or more... Uh, concretely forfeiting the battle to win the war uh this is another one that sort of refers to jeremy right at the beginning talking about why he made his choice uh we touched on that last episode how that ties in um but also a bit with tony here uh he's been forfeiting little battles all along the way for a big win here at the end this is the episode that to me showed that we correctly read this theme perfectly right like this was a little line that Tyson said in the premiere. And mm-hmm. now I think it's clear that it is our main character or one of the main characters story is look at it's the it's the Tony pulling the arms down confessional, right? Like I'm going to let everybody help pull their hold their guard up. I'm going to pull my arms down. They're going to lower it every single week until boom, the sucker punch. This was the sucker punch. This was the payoff from literally the premiere or the second episode forget exactly where that was, but, like, brilliant payoff, right? Like, they stuck this in all the way back there. It's paying off here. That's what makes this show so great. That's why I'm still invested 40 seasons in, that they actually give a darn about the stories that they tell you. They actually care about the narrative. And, yeah, Tony's story is here is that he forfeited so many battles that he wanted to fight in. He wanted to go after these idols. He wanted to play big, play bold, uh, do the blind sides like Sarah says, but he couldn't. He was frothing at the mouth, as he says, but now's his time that he's willing to do it. Now he's going to win the war. Brilliant, awesome storytelling. Mm-hmm. I guess I I think the big thing here is I wasn't expecting this team to have fruits at final nine. Like you would think the war being won is sort of at the end. So I'm curious to see what goes from here. Like, was this the move you need to win the war? And Thus, everything is sort of uh, the denouement from here on out. Or, like, is this just one time where this is done? And 
That's the Maybe question, the right? The actual is, war has yet to be won. Exactly. Like, that's the question is, did Tony forfeit all these battles just to pointlessly win another battle and get nowhere? Mm-hmm. Or is this the moment he won the war? That's the ultimate question here. Right. And, I mean, I think steamrolling right off there, I think you bring this here. And, I mean, I guess one thing would be, another would be Michelle's desire to vote with the plan here. I think that also fits here. Um, But steamrolling ahead, I think, if we move to... This whole emotional decision versus strategic decision, you have that paying off in dividends with the Sandra boot. You have it paying off uh, with this Sarah-Tony war that's kind of been brewing on a little bit in the idea that you need to become a barbaric survivor player in order to win this game. Mm -hmm. I think at this point, this is the theme of this season. And I'm curious what you think about it, Joe. It's a tricky one because it's so, like, I sort of added a subset to this theme this uh episode because it's social game versus strategic game you sort of get sarah saying well i play a social game whereas tony doesn't do that she doesn't come out and say it's just strategic but she does say it's sort of just like big moves and stuff um and then i would say on top of that it's not exactly clear that tony wasn't playing a social game i mean i don't think the episode did the strongest example of tony actually is playing a social game but there are points there I mean, he does manage to get fire tokens from three people um, and wins over Nick, Michelle, and Jeremy. So there are points there, but I think it's tricky because it's always important to important to the season of Survivor, but in varying ways sometimes. I do think with a move like this, where it is a very cutthroat blindside of Sophie, maybe it is the thing Tony had to do to win. I think that's the very interesting thing about this episode is for a while we've been, I mean, last week, right? I We both kind of talked about how this could be the season of Cops Are Us. And I think this is the episode that it really cracked open the idea. And tell me if you think I'm wrong here. I feel like this episode was, there are two main characters to this story. It's Sarah and it's Tony, and everybody else is the ensemble. They're the supporting cast. I think the episode, like I said, did a good job of, giving all the supporting cast like a good ensemble show does all their little moments um but at the end of the day the two people that got any focus that really mattered were sarah and tony and how at odds they were and how sarah says straight up like she doesn't know if she can play the game with tony she likes him so much but he doesn't play the social game like she does. She's better at it than him. And then the rest of the episode, obviously, lukewarm take was all about Tony. I think it's very, very interesting that in the episode where, like, the highlight of the story probably is Tony gets 18 confessionals in an episode, but Sarah gets a win over Tony in the episode. What does that mean? I don't know. It's I love that they've set this whole season up at this point to be a war between the two of them in every single way. We've talked about so much about how Sarah's story is that she's a good person that cares about people and and has that killer instinct inside of her that she's keeping at bay because she's Mm -hmm. having fun this season. But we know the beast is inside. And we know Tony uh, is willing to be the barbaric survivor player you need to be. And that Sarah has it in her, but she wants to play socially. I think it's magnificent what they've done here. And it's like a straight up war of philosophy between these two like survivor icons. It's so cool, especially that their cops are us. Like they have this multi-season arc. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And like 
even going further, you can see where with this move, yeah, Tony's showed his teeth, but it's only going to make Sarah bear hers next episode. And like, maybe it's all about when you make those barbaric moves that matters. <clears throat> so, and I would say the win that Sarah has over Tony in this episode is honestly sort of really in question. Like, Sarah really just sort of comes out with a definite statement, and then there's all this evidence that I think sort of shows otherwise, but also isn't. Like, you get Tony definitely winning over people, but also he falls for stuff like Michelle's token lie. Like, huh. it's it's still going both ways, and it's just keeping it a very open story. Obviously very important, but I don't know what the right answer is yet. And I think that's great. Exactly. That's what makes a good story is you have all the info in front of you. Like we know Sarah is the voice of socialness, right? And you even have people like Kim in this episode say like she sees through Tony and we get a confessional. It's just a voiceover of Kim saying, I want a piece of Sarah's fashion line indicating her support of Sarah. I love that this fashion scene is fun and goofy and silly and entertaining as it was. Tony was the buzzkill. Tony's like, I don't even want to be here. They're like, will you watch it? And he's like, no, I'm leaving. Tony came off like a jerk. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so cool that they were able to show Tony as like a buzzkill to that Show the people who will probably be working with Sarah in the fashion people. Well, still including that fun camp life scene about what these people are living like and highlighting more of Sarah's character and her comedy, but then also use that to explain the difference between them. I think another interesting way this is in question is when you talk about how Jeremy almost voted himself out, I think the way it's portrayed where Jeremy is like, I don't know if I can even trust Tony because of how he's been so far, it almost puts the blame for if Jeremy were to get voted out, it's, is Tony trustworthy or not? Is he a good enough social player? Yeah. So, yeah, I think definitely up in the air. And, I mean, that pays off all the way back to that episode you bring up a lot of Tony Spy Shack, where Jeremy says, Tony's a completely different person on tribal days and non-tribal days. Mm-hmm. What happens to Jeremy six episodes later or whatever... Tony comes with him with a plan to save him that if he doesn't trust, he goes home. Awesome. Right. Um, the next one we have here is one that I think is really what raised this from being a very good to great episode of Survivor to being one that I'll probably not forget. Obviously, I mentioned this already. Tyson's talking to Wendell and he's like, seriously, dude, some people never get over getting voted out. It ruins their life. And I feel like people like Adam, is he's not going to get over it. All season we've been shown that Adam wants, like when he's up at the top of the pole, when he's in threatened of getting voted out at that Wendell boot, what does he say? He says, I'm scared. The mm-hmm. whole season has been about how Adam's like a kid who loves Survivor more than anything, wants to succeed more than anything. Like he said, when Adam puts his mind to it, like his mom said, he gets whatever he wants or whatever. Um... And seeing that all those walls come down and Tyson be like, I'm worried for Adam. He never thought he'd get voted out of Survivor before. I really think that this is a story. And I'm, I, what do you think of it first before you? Well, I don't know. Because I think where you're going with it is how it ties to Sophie getting voted out here. Which is honestly something I didn't link together before you had mentioned it. So I don't know. if Maybe you want to continue a bit more before I... Sure. Okay, I know. <laughs> so I think that this, ep- I think, 
I mean, I think it was kind of baiting you into thinking Adam was going to pull the flag. I think that's one thing it was trying to do for, like, the cheap pop kind of thing. But to me, I like I said earlier, this episode left me with goosebumps in a, like, profound empathy for Sophie. When she got voted, I think that the Tyson line here is meant to illustrate how much this breaks sophie when she gets voted out one in the first moment she's like broken like she is i idle in my pocket uh, i how what do i even do like where's the torch and sure that's a little comical and like uh self-deprecating in a way but i think there's a little bit more to it i think when you see her eyes and she's like i thought i was a bottom tier winner i wanted to show i was more than that you see this like I feel like you saw right into her soul and she uh-huh. is sad about her win and she doesn't think she belongs and she doesn't like, like to me, I really, really think next week, maybe the week after, I don't think it's going to go well for Sophie. I think edge is going to be really, really hard for her. We got early on in the season, uh, a moment that me and many others thought was illustrating that she would not go to the edge she sees it at her camp and she describes it like a prison that she never wants to go to. We now have mm-hmm. Sophie on the edge with this moment of survivor or getting some people. It ruins their life. They never get over it. I think we're going to see broken, beaten down, morally shaken Sophie next week. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, I'm curious where it goes from here given how how this connection worked out and i think there's more like with adam sort of getting all this content prior to sophie like you get a lot of scenes of sophie and adam together and like i mean we thought adam was a goat for sophie to drag to the end i mean that does that can't be the case anymore um but it almost seems to attach them and yeah i think there's a weird potential for at the very least a very uh, sentimental um personal content to sophie on the edge of extinction and who knows exactly what that means but i am curious to see where it goes maybe even between sophie and adam right like that's very possible right that they neither of them can take it i think that's very possible um additionally i do think there's more moments about this that is why I dropped off the Sophie bandwagon at the merge. That whole, like, I'm cold, like, I'm shivering mm. Sophie at that challenge. We've been shown that Sophie can't quite crack it like the others can. Like, it, it, maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but it weighs really hard on her. When Adam goes, she's like, I promise you're fine. And it, it, she looks sad. That's been a part of this this whole time is that Sophie's not going to take it well when she gets voted out. And I really think that that's going to be part of it too. I think physically she might not be great at surviving the edge. Not surviving, but like living there happily. And I think the toll of the game's going to weigh on her too. I really think that this is a sad story. And I think... There's a we're, we'll get to it more when we talk specifically about her, but I think there's a lot of people questioning why she got such a good edit, mm-hmm. and I think the easy answer is it makes Tony or whoever look good, but I think the real answer is that a really profound thing happens to her at the edge of extinction. I would say I lean more on the former right now. Not that it specifically links to a Tony win or anything, but like this is sort of the season defining moment. 
And so it's good to have established Sophie as a big character to care about. Yeah. No, that's part of it for sure. She's an obstacle. Yeah. I am sort of interested to see how it pans out from here. Obviously, I wasn't thinking Sophie would go this early. So now that we have like three-ish episodes of Edge Sophie to see, I'm curious where it goes. Especially with that that she's gotten so far. I don't think it's in the realm of possibility or out of the realm of possibility that she pulls the flag. Mm, I cannot see her pull the flag. It would be shocking, but like I really think this is gonna. I feel. I feel next week's gonna be a tearjerker. Hmm. Like I don't know. Even just that moment when she's like, "I thought it was a bottom tier winner." Like she looks so sad and not like not like sad in the way that people are like the crying. She's not crying. She's like trying not to. It was so like that. That to me, that's this one story made this from great to. An episode I'll never forget. Hmm. It just reminded you how brutal it is, like how much it will weigh on these people that they're getting voted out. Like some, like Sophie's never been voted out before. Yeah, I mean, I think the initial sort of way had it put on our list of stories was like winners dealing with getting voted out because for a lot of them it is the first time especially and i think it's more affecting when they've won and never gotten voted out so yeah it's very interesting to have tyson who has got voted out twice to sort of come back and say yeah this is a thing that can happen to you and for some people that just really gets to them like every survivor super fan's always known right but i don't think they've ever put it in those terms like Survivor uses the metaphor of death, like fire represents your life. Mm -hmm. But this is the reminder that like fire represents your life and a little bit of it kind of dies after you get voted out, after your dream squashed. And that's a hard thing to uh, like, it really adds the gravitas to the situation. Right. Every vote. I mean, like to get a little personal, like when I played in online games, like and you get voted out, like you think of everything you could have done right. You think like, was I ever good enough to have like won it? Like, and that's just a silly online game. Like Survivor, you think you have your shot and then you can't just like apply again and they'll take you again. Like they want people who made an impression. So there's that as well. Like what if you get voted Ah. out and you weren't a character? No, I mean... I played a silly online game. I mean, some people watch it or whatever called Sequester. I I left a tremendously unremarkable or like I I left it in a way that was, in my opinion, kind of no fault of my own in a very early. And like, I remember the moment I left and I'm like, oh, my God, like, like, I feel broken in this moment. And you're like, this is how I had no dreams of playing Sequester. I didn't even know what it was. If I had played Survivor and got voted out early in an unremarkable way, I couldn't imagine what that would do to my psyche. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's crazy, right? And I feel like yeah. this is one of these things that every player who plays Survivor, only one of them, one out of 20 on average wins. And some <laughs> of these, like Sandra dilutes that too. Like, And I think there's also like, maybe you didn't get voted out, but then you lost at the final tribal council. I mean, people always talk about how like it's almost worse to be a losing finalist because you made it to the end and you still couldn't win. Like, your journey wasn't valid. Like your journey wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. You like, you know what I mean? You didn't struggle hard enough. Um, yeah. It, I think regardless of what's going to happen to Sophie, it is interesting that with Tyson's line, the season sort of broached. Yeah. Survivor 
like the dream that survivor is and what it means to people it can be really brutal sometimes yeah like people always say that with the dream playing survivor but it's like it really the dream is tied up in winning right like yeah. no one's like i can't wait to come in and get voted out immediately because everyone doesn't like my personality you know what i mean like they don't accept me or whatever yeah even if you're like oh i'm just going there for the experience like there's some part of you that wants to win for sure yeah and how Especially... many people didn't didn't get the arc like some people are like i want the journey to find out who i really am first boots get three days out on an island like mm -hmm. they ain't finding themselves mm -hmm. yeah it, it was very sad and it really made me reframe like everything about Survivor. And that's what made this episode so good to me. Yeah. And I think almost going into our next theme, obviously this relates a lot. It's the things will be hard, but you belong line. Jeff said at the very beginning of the season, it obviously relates here. Like all these people who have been voted out have also won a season. So they do belong in some way. But I sort of thought of it in... The small scene we get of coming back from commercial, we flash to like Nick and he's surrounded by, I think, like Ben, Kim and Michelle or Sarah, I think. And Both. he's just talking about his like experience after winning. And he's just he says, I was called the evil Donathan vampire. And obviously, I think it's something that affected him. And <laughs> then everyone around him goes on to be like, well, you you do kind of look like a vampire. But there is that very serious sort of emotional consequence. I'm not saying it's like super, super, I guess, critical, but it is something Nick felt after he won. He won the season, and yet this dwells on him. Yeah, um, years later. Yeah, I think another minor example is Ben is talking to, I want to say Michelle. Yep, Michelle. And they're talking about, Ben is talking about how fast money goes and how fast a million goes. Yeah. That's another like weird moment of like, like what happens after you? It's like, this is the catching fire of all the other seasons, Hunger Games. Like you get to see what happened to these people and the different states they're in. No, it's like you always hear like lottery winners so much of them, like so many of them file for bankruptcy and stuff like that. And like that mm -hmm. bed moment especially was like, like they really peppered in. The dark, like, like I think the evil Donathan vampire might be the funniest moment in Survivor history. Like, I was giggling so hard at that. Where <laughs> I mean, I obviously did weigh on him in a serious way, but like how goofy it was and how like out of touch everybody else around him was. Where they're like, <laughs> like Ben's like, did you sharpen your teeth like that? And Kim's like, oh no, but like vampires are very good looking. Like you do look like a vampire. And then. Like, like they like talk file them, but it was so funny because evil <laughs> Donathan vampire might be the funniest insult possible, but it did weigh on him. Mm -hmm. But then having it cut to right after Ben being like, it's it's crazy how fast a million goes, and you're like, it kind of reframes your entire thought process because part of this is like the as Ben said at the merge, this is the clash of champions. This is uh the battle to determine which like immortal which. Survivor icon is the best. And then you he reminds you, a million doesn't go that far. And they're just people. Like, they're people that want a reality show. 
a goofy reality show to most most of the public. They're not immortals. They're not icons. They're not these like they're just people. Mm-hmm. And that moment was really hit hard. I thought especially with the sophie stuff with the uh, adam stuff yeah i mean i don't know i'm no millionaire but like sometimes i'm like what did how's michelle fitzgerald doing financially like she had a million dollars at one point obviously they took out taxes like is she okay like, <laughs> like what's happening but like yeah this sort of addresses it very formally like these are people they still have to live and go on and yeah you think a million will get you so far but maybe not realistically especially depending on what type of person you are and not necessarily a bad person but it just might not have the legs or whatever that you think it will and it really cuts into like if we flash back to tyson's story when he is like is being out here worth being away from my family i'm a professional survivor player like he Mm -hmm. lists it as his occupation right like all cuts into this same thing it's like yeah it's your occupation you won a million dollars but then ben says like well how far does it even go really dark stuff that they managed to throw in this really fun episode right i guess I don't watch the challenge, but it's like the best example I can think of where it has continually like reoccurring contestants on it. Like, do they ever address this issue of like, this is their job? Like for some of them, very literally, they're on there every season. Like, does the challenge get anywhere close to ever sort of thinking like what these people are talking? No, <laughs> does that as much like when you like I've, I've I'm a very casual challenge watcher. Um but like you do get like like Johnny Bananas like that is his occupation right like he's on every season he trains to go on the show um maybe he wins maybe he doesn't that's that's his that's his that's job just, that's the challenge sometimes he wins sometimes he don't and who knows yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah like and and yeah like I mean that evil Jonathan vampire one is like the funny version of it but mm. like. It does show, like, how these things stick with people. Like, they are just... Nick's just a dude from Kentucky. Like, right. who's a vampire. But <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I guess that brings us to, I mean, relevantly, I think, the idea of fire tokens in the survivor economy and inflation. Inflation? So, obviously, I mean, I have my criticisms of how these fire tokens have uh, bore fruit. I feel like a disaster would be one way to put it. Um... <laughs> Where, like, people don't want the fire tokens. They're like, yeah, sure, just take it. Like, please. Like, mm-hmm. um, everyone who's tried to gamble with them has failed. Um, and then in this episode, Tony's like, really? Sarah, or sorry, Michelle's thing was worth four, and I need six to compete in the challenge? Are you serious? Like, the price of milk's gone up. To me, I think, as a brief aside from to production, I get the sense that they didn't think about this for, like, more than 15 minutes. Like, this feels, like, the whole thing feels poorly thought out from, like, beginning to end. Fire tokens could have been so cool. They, like, they wrote the paper, and then they didn't go back and proofread and edit. <laughs> they, like, came up with a scheme for what fire tokens would look like and then didn't, like, make it look better all the way through. Yeah. So you get, like, really good points like this. And then a lot of bad points. Yeah, like the average player on this cast is like, are they really just for the tarp? Like, <laughs> or people bright like, extort you? Like, it's a their protection. Like, this extortion advantage sends so many weird signals. Like, is having more fire tokens help you in the game or prevent you from getting screwed? <laughs> like, I don't know. I've, I just feel like this whole thing has been. I really think. Like, Edge of Extinction sucks. Like, it's just a waste. But Fire Tokens just feel 
like at least Edge of Extinction feels like they thought about it for a little bit. Like they have things to do. They search on they do escape rooms or whatever. Fire tokens literally feel like someone was just like, what if we add currency? We'll figure out what to do with them later. Yeah. They change yeah. rules constantly. <laughs> like it's so like really bonkers. That said, um we do get the the, the price of milk going up. Um, we, earlier on, we said that the winner will probably be the person who uses these the best. Really have softened on that stance since then. Well, I think there is a point to be made that the sort of spectacle of this episode, if Nick's line is to be taken with any, like, truth to it, like, maybe this is Tony's grand fire token move, is getting six tokens and being able to win and win and compete in the challenge and also pull off that move because if he didn't have a vote he wouldn't be able to do it so the whole interaction gave me vibes of that uh i think spectacular tommy and lauren convincing everybody to choose to eat uh episode of island of the idols mm-hmm. like, it gave me that those vibes right and i think that was a great episode this was a great episode I do think that they worked out. I just think they worked out in spite of production. Like, I feel like all the interesting things with fire tokens have been because the players are assuming they're using them in an interesting way and they aren't. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a plus to the cast, um, thumbs down to the producers. <laughs> and I think the last... Oh, there's two more themes here. The second last penultimate theme here is the idea of the chaotic pace of the game or the inverse. And I really think in this episode it was both. Right? It was like, in when things are quiet, they're probably crazy. Yeah, that's actually an excellent point to be made. I think it's easy to look at this and say, look how quiet this was compared to the last two episodes. But even in the episode, they do a lot of talking about how when it's so quiet, that's maybe the most tenuous state of the game is because everyone thinks they're safe. So really no one is safe. Yeah, no, and I think that's <laughs> indirectly, I think... Uh, spikes on their own show right like so the bad episodes of this season in my opinion have been the ones that have been like chaos is everywhere who knows what's up and what's down the color Mm -hmm. green is blue um that kind of like over the top craziness has been bad and not interesting and you can't follow it because it's really not that crazy and the super chaos votes always seem to be all on one person who was on the bottom um like adam right like it's like what a crazy boot results in the guy who's on the bottom in the minority going home unanimously like this one's like it was so quiet that's where real chaos exists i don't know if this is them intentionally trying to make fun of their show in the past but i appreciated it nonetheless that it showed that really (laughs) it's when it's quiet it's uh more more scary i guess i hope maybe if they watch the episode they've made, they sort of realize, oh, like we should do things to promote this sort of game because it's it's easier to understand for one, but it's still very captivating. And like it's interesting to watch people sort of lay out plans and execute on them as opposed to indecipherable whispered chaos. Yeah, like this was a chicken like or sorry, previous ones were like chickens with head cut off running around, technically still alive. And sure, that's crazy because they don't know where they're going and they're stumbling into walls and stuff. But this was like a chess game or like maybe not a chess game, but like um, like this was an actual battle. You know what I mean? Like different Mm -hmm. factions wanting different things. You knew who the factions were. 
so you knew what amount of power they had. Mm-hmm. You knew it, it was chess, and that you knew who was the knights and who had more pieces and that kind of stuff. Like that's what you want. You don't want oh no, they they stumbled on the wall five times in a row. Mm-hmm. It's finally the last theme here. I want to talk well, about. Actually, okay, so you highlighted this one like mid. Like I'm calling you out. You did it mid recording, but I also want to talk about another theme. So this is like actually the penultimate theme. Oh. Sorry. I mean, this this episode really was a payoff to most of these things. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm sure that that's how they felt. This is the climax. I feel like of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one I want to talk about here is the just the meat and nerd question mark shields. Obviously, Jeremy is trying to explain to Ben like. Even if Tyson's causing drama, he's better if he's here for you than if he's not. Mm-hmm. He's like, why won't people understand meat shields? All season we've been talking about how they keep talking about the lions and the hyenas. Um, and I think it. I think I think you somehow ended up being right that turns out we're gonna see a subversion of this theme, which is not lions versus hyenas. It's two lions and two hyenas versus everybody else. I mean. If I said that, I guess thanks to me, but I don't know. I, was, I didn't put this on the list because I was like, yet again, it's missing. Like, where, it, it didn't come back. But I think, yeah, you bring it up with Jeremy and Ben is very interesting because we associate this with Tony. But like I said, it wasn't brought up in name. There was no talk of lions and hyenas between Jeremy and Ben. Who knows if they know that's even a thing. Um, but also, if there is this concern about Tyson being a meat shield for people it's interesting that tony was left out of these conversations as though not to attach him so i i do think that like there's so much weird talk here about like tony's real alliances fake alliances like fake half alliance whatever um mm-hmm. i think it is interesting that take away ben the people who voted with him were the people who gave him those fire tokens that were supposedly his fake alliance i think that's an interesting thing right like Mm-hmm. I feel like he was probably working more with Jeremy, Michelle, and Nick throughout this. And maybe Kim didn't actually see through him. He just was not actually with her. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he was with her alliance. He wasn't with her. Yeah, I think with this episode, in contrast to the very mishmashed last few episodes, it sort of made me very skeptical that all of a sudden it was this very neat 4v4 with one in the middle, <laughs> like all of a sudden. So, yeah, I think. It's good to be skeptical of that and maybe think, yeah, maybe Tony's been working with Michelle and Nick for longer. Definitely yeah. Nick, I would say. Um, and I think Tony, or Michelle, too. They seem Yeah, to I mean, the first three people he goes to for fire tokens are Jeremy, Nick, and Michelle. The mm-hmm. three people he votes with. And, and yeah. when Michelle has none, that's when he goes to Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben's like his backup. Yeah. The other thing I just want to bring up with this whole Lions and Hyenas thing. To me, at this point, I think our whole Lion King analysis has been spot on. I think Tony is so clearly Scar. I don't think it's even funny. Um, And I think Sarah Simba. And I think we're pretty clearly getting that. And I think in the same way that The Lion King is a story of primarily two characters. Um, Mufasa dies to serve um, Simba's story of making him more empathetic and giving him a path to chart Scar. Um, all like there is a supporting cast in Lion King, but they do all mm-hmm. serve those two characters. And I think we're seeing the same thing here. Uh, Tony is Scar. He's looks like your friendly uncle. 
the whole time, but everyone's a little confused, like, well, why does he have a scar on his face uh, if he's a good dude? And so you're a little surprised that it turns out he's a backstabber. But, like, you kind of knew it the whole time in the same way that Tony is. And Sarah, uh, you know, her good pal Sophie Mufasa just died, and now you're going to grow some empathy to her. I think uh, this is very clearly a story. Um, I don't know if they're intentionally going on the Lion King thing here, but, like, the lions and the hyenas and the story pattern basically being a story of good versus evil, uh, strategy versus social game. I don't think it's a coincidence, and I feel like it's worthwhile to bring up here. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just, I mean, far be it from me to be like, Tony is winning, but, like, I just don't know if I believe Tony is Scar. Like, could the roles be reversed feasibly? I guess I don't know who Tony's Mufasa is yet. I don't know. I mean, Scar does end up king. Like, the story could just end prematurely, you know? (laughs) Um, If that's all you have for that theme, the one I was going to bring up very quickly, and the true last theme is, I forgot in all our talk about Sarah's fashion show, I think that's a prime example of at least her trying to say she's building bridges by building tools. Yeah. Like, her clothing is part of her social game. It's a fun camp scene for everyone. So, I mean, it's directly linked to her social game. I can't believe we missed this one initially. <laughs> um, yeah, no, 100%. Like, that was Sarah's story in this. Was I mean, one, it was... I, I thought that was an amazing scene. Like, her, the part before the fashion show. Where she's just like, yeah, and like most people just think about me like I'm smart and funny and pretty. But like, I'm trying to think of what I'm going to be after I'm a cop. Maybe I'll be a fashion designer. What a fun out of left field thing. And you see it actually pay off in her social game. They've really, from episode one all throughout, showed this like how utility gets you bonds thing. And I think it's really been cool. I will say, I don't know, I'm becoming like a like secret like tony supporter (laughs) throughout this episode but like maybe this is this is a subversion because all we get is really sarah being like i had a fashion show therefore my social game is stellar like wendell thought he could make friends just by being helpful around camp and that didn't work for him in the end and sandra oh and sandra as well yes Um, sandra fishing and yeah so maybe there is an element of just sort of uh, telling and not showing that you have a social game via these things doesn't always work out. No, for sure. And that's been the weird thing about this theme in particular is Wendell went positive in those episodes. Like mm-hmm. in the episodes where he made a thing to make a bond, he was positive. The episodes where he did not, he was negative. Like, yeah, like I, that's the thing is, is it a positive or negative theme? Because it's associated with Wendell. It's hard to say. Well, um, I think. What it did was it was like, oh, yeah, Wendell is building things, so that looks great, right? And you're supposed to sort of see it as building bonds, but then when it comes for those bonds to actually mean something, they don't. It wasn't an actual expression of social game. It was just Wendell building things, and that was good for the tribe. So That's true. Yeah, you're right. And Tony gets a confessional in this episode saying, like, while everybody, like, literally, while everybody else is sleeping, I'm playing harder than everyone. Like... Mm-hmm. That is the opposite to that, too. Right. So, yeah, that's I think that's a very good point to flag up, which brings us to the edge of extinction. Mm-hmm. We start with Adam, who's having a real hard time. Apparently. Yeah. I really thought he's going to pull the sail, to be honest. Like, they got me. I just, I guess I'm like, I don't see anyone pulling the sail. After, like, the merge, like... There's no sail pulling. Like, unless you're a Sandra type who is like, yeah, I have no chance of winning this. 
which I guess maybe Sophie. I could. That's why maybe I could see her. She seems like someone who's like maybe pragmatic enough to be like, yeah, I don't think I can do this, but I don't know. Um, as we sort of reach like peak Tony and he has this larger than life edit and he looks like the one to beat, it is like really starting to be like, maybe it's an edge of extinction person winning. And so sort of considering Adam from that perspective, like maybe, but his edit is almost as weird. I mean, he was the main character before Tony. So yeah, in this episode, Tony passes Adam for most confessionals. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting thing. And by like a lot, like Tony had like 23 or something. And Adam had 35. Hmm. Like, that's kind of wild. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't know. Edge of Extinction Returnee is seeming less possible to me. Um, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a returnee. I just, as a winner. Yeah. I mean, someone said sort of what Chris had was that story. A very clear story of, like, what I need to do and why I'm here. And maybe it didn't manifest every episode, but I don't think anyone really has that. Like, And I think you're right that Adam's the closest. And that... Well, Chris's story was, I, like, I'm a Survivor super fan, and I left third? Are you kidding me? I had all these dreams of being a, playing the perfect game, that's what I wanted, and instead I'm nothing. I'm not gonna give up, I, I want to play that perfect game. Adam's, like, if you're gonna take this season's equivalent, Tyson's saying, Adam's not dealing it, dealing with it well that he got voted out. He's going to take it really hard. That's the, that's the closest equivalent to that specific story here. Sure. And I, I mean, I wouldn't say Adam is my number one pick for a Edge of Extinction winner. But I do think there is something to Tyson saying that when what they likely did is maybe like went down the list. I was like, oh, is Natalie going to be okay with this? Is Danny going to be okay with this? And they just pinpointed Adam. I think that's sort of an interesting maybe moment out there. Maybe he doesn't have to worry about being voted out because he comes back and wins. Uh, I don't super see that. I think it's building building to a cry session between Adam and Sophie. (laughs) And I'm already prepared to cry next week. Like the family visit, who cares? I, I, I don't, it doesn't get me at all. That will get me, I think. I, I don't really... I don't know if I feel next episode is a cry episode. I'm calling it. You're gonna cry next week, Joe. Mm. Wednesday, 8.24pm. I'm in Central Time, so Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> 7.24. That's when you're gonna cry. Okay. Um, that brings us to Amber. It's not in this episode. I mean, her and Rob had just a weird moment where they, like, embraced. Yeah, they kissed. <laughs> Which is, like, the most we've seen of them being a husband and wife all season. Yeah, so. again, this is that weird bizarro thing where, like, legitimately you could think that they just met each other on this beach if you want. If this is your first season, <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, I guess those... Who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Rob? Robin, uh... Is that Danny? Or guessing? <laughs> That's kind of weird. I guess it's good for them. <laughs> weird that they're sharing kids on this family visit, but I don't know. <laughs> guess other than that. <laughs> even that, you didn't get too much of them together. Like, you got a little right. bit. Right. I mean, Amber and Rob are very near the bottom for me. Yeah. Like, they don't have even the legs that Adam has. Nope. Um, I think that brings us to Danny. Is, question, is she the one that was yelling at... Um, Adam, I think so, right? The wait. She's calling she's course? like Yeah, I think you're a real workhorse. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of chaos there. I thought Ethan was the workhorse. Yeah, that was okay. Ethan <laughs> no, you're right. Someone was clearly talking to Ethan. Mm-hmm. 
but they the, the edit was trying to make us look like it was Adam holding all those sticks. Right, right. I thought that was sloppy at best, but, like, we weren't meant to take it that Ethan was the workhorse. We were meant to take, like, Adam holding all those sticks. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think Ethan it was. just happened to be being talked to. I think that is a very Danny thing to say. It seemed like it was Danny, but I didn't freeze frame it or anything. I don't know. I, last week, I was like, you know what? She could still come back. I'm, like, softening on that a little bit. But, like, Edge is so weird. Like, Chris was invisible in, like, five episodes. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm still, I'm still firmly aboard the Danny returning train. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, she, she's one of the ones who could. That's, that's to me. Like, to me, this is a yes or no. She could come back. Mm-hmm. Ethan, I can't. He's the workhorse. He's the workhorse. But, like, doesn't even get credit for it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not coming back. He didn't really get anything in this episode. Natalie had... A good episode, but almost by necessity. Yeah. That's the tricky thing. All of them for her have been. Mm-hmm. To me, she can come back. Um, she can't win. She can come back. She can't win. Hmm. So I almost could see it. I don't know. If like the Edge of Extinction Returnee is winning, it's just like absolute chaos. So like, I don't think Natalie's impossible. No, I guess not. And like, to I guess to, to briefly touch on this, I mean... I think this Edge of Extinction use, like, maybe even a little less of Natalie and Parvati. You do this, the, you're all Survivor 38 and 40 are way better. Like, give them one segment, tiny little segment, and just get to the point. Like, keep it simple, <clears throat> stupid. You get some good stuff, whatever. It is interesting seeing Tyson bond over that. It is interesting seeing Natalie and Parvati want to win so bad. Well, you just don't need all the other filler stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one like gag segment or like like a camp life segment and then one like escape room segment where like the escape room is fleshed out. And it's yeah. not like a ton of red herrings where like oh is Rob going to find it? Is Yule going to find it? Oh, Ethan, oh, and then you just get straight to the person who finds it. <laughs> Yeah, four of those red herrings takes away the fashion show. Mm-hmm. Takes away Evil Donathan Vampire. Like, things that people remember from the episode. Versus, mm-hmm. like, like will Tyson find this token? Or will Ethan? Or will... Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. That's what you miss out on um, when Edge gets more content. Right. But yeah, Natalie, like, you're right. Like, it, it, it could come back. I think that's super in the realm of possibility. They just handled her pretty boringly. Harvardy, mm-hmm. to me is the only one that I feel like would be a satisfying winner. I'm not sure how much of that is, like, my pro-parvity bias, but, like, I thought she was a lot of fun in this episode, and she has gone, like, she has easily the best edit of all these uh, Edge people, I think. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Again, like, how much of that, like, we do have that weird problem where it's, like, Parvati and Danny are put together, and then Parvati and Natalie are put together. Like, how much of that is, like, I guess... Honestly, I don't know how to evaluate good play at the edge of extinction, but mm-hmm. like, I think we're seeing just how good of a player Parvati is that she's being roped in by everybody. It's just like edge of extinction doesn't matter. Right. But like, I think it's, we're seeing the force of her that she does have like Danny and Natalie are willing to keep a secret with just Parvati. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. They're not similar people at all. Yeah. And that's the, that's the one problem I'm having is like, I have Parvati is the most likely to return. It's also Parvati Shallow seemingly doing a really good job out there, like connecting with everybody. So mm-hmm. to me, I mean, she's the only one that could win from here. Yeah. Like in a that, good way. She has that scene with Ethan. So like that was outside of any uh, fire token shenanigans. So yeah, she's getting some other content there too. Yep. Yep. Uh, Rob, 
Oof. Kissed his wife. Rob is really looking terrible. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot of competition for the very, very last spot on my list. Uh, but it's got to be between Rob and, like, evil Donathan Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah, no, same. 100% same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyson's an interesting one. Uh, Tyson and Parvati, I think, are the two that could come back as a winner. Or... Tyson could get revolving door or just not come back. I think all are possible. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised. I feel like people are kind of higher than I expected on Tyson coming back after this episode. I just think I was expecting something from him this episode. This was not like his weird line about how hard it can hit to get voted out was not really what I was thinking for returning Tyson. Yeah, no, you're right. Like it's Tyson's story in this season has been like, the crying clown painting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like funny guy gone serious mm-hmm. and still sometimes funny, but like even like a deconstruction of what it means for him laughing. I just, I think that's his story and he could come back. I just, I've, I would be selling my Tyson shares. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, An interesting Tyson's, one yeah. relevant to that um, is who Tyson's talking to. He's like, are you going to be okay, Wendell? And then Wendell's, like, laughing, so it's, like, kind of unclear whether they're having a jovial conversation edited negative and dark or what. But, like, Wendell is, like, yeah, like, he's clearly a chill dude. He's, like, yeah, it won't bother me. I'm fine, dude. Mm. I mean, it is weird that Tyson is just, like, waxing gothically in the middle of the day. And he's just, like, Wendell, you gonna be okay? And Wendell's, like, yeah, I'll I'll be fine, so. We've we've said this a lot. When Wendell's story's over, right? Like he's mm-hmm. like, uh, that's our reminder, right? Is like, sure, a lot of these people will have a hard time. Wendell's a chill dude. He'll be fine. He mm-hmm. he's happy to be out there. Right. Yule is out there meditating somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're really we're really getting to the edge of extinction point where it's just like there's so many people who don't have any role. Yeah. No, like so. this is why edge of extinction sucks. Like I love Yule. Like. Okay, he was sitting there. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I guess that's one thing I want to touch on is one thing that people have said for so long, right? Like, the defenders of Edge of Extinction are like, well, I want more time with the uh, characters I love. Like, if my favorite gets voted out first, I don't want to be without them all season. And then I think about the other stuff in this episode, like the fashion show, Evil Donathan Vampire, all Tony's fun antics. And I'm like, a- am I sad that yule isn't there i love yule i'm not like mm-hmm. that's, that's part of the story is you lose some people you love and then you learn to love the people who are there a little bit more but i right. think this episode is a good uh case study on why edge of extinction's bad like yeah i love yule sorry him sitting there with a towel or a buff wrapped around his head meditating doesn't make me happier or like him more or like the show more i'm just mm-hmm. like okay like you could just be doing that at Ponderosa or in Thailand or wherever your pre-jury trip is. Like, it does nothing for me. It's just, I guess, we think most people come to this show for the gameplay that is happening, like, on Koru, the Merge Tribe right now. I mean, what Edge of Extinction is giving us is almost like a Big Brother UK where we're checking in with people and, like, fun things sometimes happen between them. Like, I mean, there's people who want that, like... It's why the family visit was sort of divided, was people just wanted something sort of sentimental and low stakes. But I think the majority of people are sort of looking at, like, real sort of tensions of Survivor that 
just don't exist on edge of extinction, especially now that the conceit is really well known. Like they know there's going to be another challenge and you're going to make it back or you won't. There's no like Ah. votes or anything. That's the other thing, right? Like what kind of made some moments of edge of extinction this season work is like the Chris confessionals being like, I don't really know how we're coming back in. We know there's a chance. We we haven't been told how. So I'm going to make sure everyone likes me. So I'm going to fish. And then you have like Reem and Keith like airing their dirty laundry. They're like getting super mad at people. Like there was some social, there was some degree of social politicking going on, right? Mm -hmm. Here they're like, oh, we know it's a snake puzzle. So they're just, they're waiting. Yeah. With the occasional like Natalie and Parvati stumble across a bottle on the beach. Yeah. Like, mm. and like, uh, poverty is one of my favorites of all time. I don't miss her at all in the scenes she's not in. Like, mm. uh, that's yeah. the thing. Like, it, to me, it's a fundament, fundamental misunderstanding of what makes the show good. I didn't like Redemption Island. At least it didn't give us 12 people that we didn't give a crap about every week. Mm-hmm. Like, they might as, like, Yule might have, might as well have been a producer that accidentally got in the shot. What does he right. add here? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think even. When Redemption Island is at its most inflated, like when there's four people there, it's a small enough group that it's an interesting mix. And they also, they don't always feel obligated to show some sort of social aspect of it. Like sometimes they'll just show the duel. And like the other thing is, I remember so many people being like, well, they're doing it so that Rob can like have his line every week or whatever. He doesn't even get that. Like, why is it here? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, all those premises are false and wrong at this point based on the show. Like, had Tony been the first boot, he probably would have just done nothing. And we would have seen him, like, spinning around in a circle or whatever the equivalent to Yule meditating is. Right. Like, that's all we would have got is the same thing, but Tony spinning around in a circle one time in the background. Like, whoop de doo That brings us to Koru. Oh, Koru. We start with Ben. Dreebergen. Mm-hmm. Like he's, I guess we'll get the two sort of like incidental characters out of the way first. The ones I feel like didn't have a ton of development. Like <laughs> ben and Denise. I mean, Ben was kind of like Ben is weird in that I didn't, I guess, think that. And then like I forgot about the whole subplot of like Jeremy just doesn't like Ben. Like <laughs> he's annoyed by this. Drives me nuts. <laughs> like no, like uh, explicit reasoning was given. <laughs> Like, they even struggled to find, like, B-roll of Ben being quote-unquote annoying for it, so. Right? That's one thing <laughs> I thought this episode dropped the ball on, right? Like, surely I, you can find better content of why Jeremy hates Ben than whatever yeah. that was. It was almost like, because of that lack, it felt like Jeremy's confessional was, like, false. Yeah. Like, because, <laughs> like, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Jeremy going... I literally can't stand ever anything Ben does. Flash to him saying, um, like, the bamboo's hard. I hate it. Cut to him saying that a million dollars goes quickly. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, someone asks for the stirring stick. Yeah. And, like, Ben's like, no, I don't need the stirring stick. <laughs> <laughs> like, surely there's some other moment <laughs> that Ben annoyed Jeremy, right? <laughs> Oh no, he didn't. Someone offered you a stir stick and you didn't take it. How dare you? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I last episode I sort of felt with consistency. Prioritized Ben looks pretty good. I mean, this is a bad episode for consistent Ben. Like he got randomly dragged for no good reason. I mean, literally no good reason, as we said. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I'm pretty low on Ben winning. Oh yeah. Like he, last week I was like, yeah, if it wasn't for him being on the wrong tribe, I'd consider him as a winner. And uh, if he like the rest of the show was good for him, I, I would stop. Like, you know what I mean? Like if he was my number one, this is the week I would ditch him. Like this was <laughs> the second, the episode after the merge for Sophie, for me, for Ben, hypothetically. Um, it was so bad. Like we said, they chose to bury him and they didn't even have the footage to justify it. Mm-hmm. Like the most you could take from it is he complains about the bamboo and he complains about money, I guess. Like if you're mm-hmm. really trying to take it optimistically, but I don't think it even had that really. Like, I feel like that's a stretch. Yeah, and... I mean, like personally, I came from this episode with like no more reason to dislike Ben. <laughs> Yeah, if anything, like, I like him a little bit more. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, like, I, I, I guess I feel some level of empathy for mm-hmm. who I am seeing as a millionaire. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, like, he has no money left, as evidenced by his line there, right? Like, mm-hmm. a million goes quick. It's seemingly not there no more. Um, that, that gave me some degree of like for Ben or empathy. Additionally, I mean, like, <laughs> what? I'm like, why does Jeremy hate him so much? Like, like, is Jeremy a dick? (laughs) Like, (laughs) but yeah, no. And I guess one thing I do want to touch on here. Two weeks ago, I believe we got Adam saying no conversation in either season of my uh, Survivor career has made me feel worse than that one with Ben just now. I think Ben's our losing finalist at this point. Mm -hmm. And that's what this feels like. This is like they couldn't find good footage to show him being annoying. But like people... Ben's so intense, he has a ferocity that transcends this game, uh, that wears on people. Like, even if they liked him at the start, Jeremy considered him a friend at the start, now he just can't stand him. He's too intense, and he's too upfront, and they just, they, they, uh, can't take him anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think Ben as a losing finalist is a good, a good pick. I think right now it's just a matter of how he gets there, but, yeah. Like, chance he's an obstacle, but more likely this this reads like losing finalist to me. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that explains the whole, like, they they go for these captivating losing finalists and, or compelling losing finalists. And, like, his story being like, he's he just makes a few too many mistakes. That tracks. Yeah. Ooh, one, uh, this is just a brief aside as we're talking about losing a finalist, because I feel like I'll miss it, miss it. So this old school versus new school theme that we were tracking most of the season um, I think it's just very possible that the most old school winner in a pool of new school winners is the winner, if that makes sense. Hmm. Okay. I feel like that didn't make sense, but I, I think that might be what we're seeing is like, if it was, um, so if I don't know. If Ben, Denise, and Jeremy were the final three. Denise would win. Denise would win. Yeah. And they have to have children. And they have to have kids, yeah. But I don't think, they all have kids left, right? Oh, other than Michelle. And Eve and Nick. And Nick, yeah. And Evil Donathan Vampire. <laughs> I, I wanted to commit to it, but now I've broken it. But I will commit for the rest of the episode. Yeah, like, it, it's between those two. And, I mean, technically, uh, Nick is immortal. So, mm-hmm. like, he, he's arguably old school. So, um, that brings it. I guess that's Ben, right? Yes, yes. Prob- I feel like losing finalist. Maybe obstacle to her- topple at endgame. Like, that's his, that's his role. He, either way, right. he's an obstacle to topple at the endgame. It's just whether he's the losing finalist one that like you're like, oh, could Ben win at uh, 8.58 on finale night? 
or the one that you're like, oh, maybe he could win at 8.32 on finale night. Mm-hmm. I think those numbers are right, but... <laughs> I don't know. I kind of just made them up right now. I feel like the winner's actually usually shown at like 9.05 or 10.05 or whatever. Yeah, it'd be 10.05 for you, but this year it's going to be 11.05. That's one... Is it a three-hour episode and then a reunion, or is it just a regular reunion, like regular finale? I think it's a three-hour finale with no reunion. I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like people might be reading in too too much with that three-hour finale. I think there's a good chance it's just including the reunion. Mm -hmm. But we'll see when we get there. Um, That brings us to Denise. You're right. I think this is our superfluous character here. Yeah. But even still, like, she had a good moment where she's like, "Ah, Jeremy wants us to go for Ben, but I'm not... I don't see why he hates Ben for one. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, she was, she had a little bit, but not really anything big developing. No, it's like she got a, that's, that's one thing I would say that's good about this episode, right? Is Denise is by far the least relevant. Mm-hmm. Like she still got a good moment. Like you got to yeah. see where her head was at, what she's thinking. She's just not that loyal in the season. Like she's, she's playing what Sandra says her game is, right? Like, I think that's what we're seeing. She, like, stole that anyone but me thing. Yeah, when she voted yeah. her out, her soul we, yeah. possessed Denise. 100%. Like, I think that's what we're seeing. Maybe that means I, Denise wins. I, Sandra's I, Heroes vs. Villains <laughs> story is also stupid and bad. <laughs> well, right? That, like, I, I do not agree. But there was a weird moment... Because at Tribal, there's a lot of time devoted to, like, blindsides and resumes. And it's, like, during some part of it, Denise gets, like, focused on. And I think it's, like, talking about, like, moves for the sake of moves as opposed to actual good, powerful moves. And so I don't know if they were wanting just to remind us that Denise has this big move that she's made. Or it's a useless move or what. But there's focus there. Like I said, I feel like this is the story of, like... They like her, mm-hmm. and they're like, "How do we fit her in the show?" Uh, yeah, and we can't. Sorry, we'll yeah, give her the small amount. The the rest of her edit is missing so much. Like, she is definitely a supporting character in the Lion King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's like Nala or something. You know what I mean? Like, um, like Ben is Pumbaa, <laughs> and then she's like, I don't know, like probably Nala or like mm-hmm. one of the other lions, <laughs> like. Sure. Which brings us to Jeremy. Really fun episode for Jeremy. Like, this was a wonderful character study for him. In the same way, like, not, but lesser than Tony, right? Like, it starts with mm-hmm. Jeremy, it ends with Jeremy. Um, And I think, like, he was kind of a main character in this episode. Like, I know I said it earlier that it's like Sarah and Tony are our main characters. Everybody else is supporting. Jeremy's the one that you could probably argue is also a main character i mean definitely i I think we're looking at the scope of the season and it's definitely set up to be sarah versus tony what we know of jeremy it's unlikely he is a main character but in this episode for sure he was sort of like the one bouncing off tony for the most part saw like what his game is about and why he's thinking the way he's thinking and why it's so hard to trust tony jeremy says this game's all about trust right like that's his thing Mm -hmm. like taking out uh the smaller people and this is one of the first times in jeremy's survivor career that the people closest to him have turned on him right like even uh samuel del sur it's not like natalie was orchestrated jeremy's boot right like that's just not what happened you also like 
he's never really been blindsided in that way, like backstabbed by the, his by his close people. Yeah, I don't know. He's sort of someone I just don't consider as a winner because he's so all over the place, by which I mean like really consistent. And that was weird. And then he had a bad episode. I don't know. Just does not read like a winner. No. I do think that they, they've they done a fun thing with Jeremy's story, I think. Like, I thought that they did that theme I keep bringing up again that they built in this episode of, like, some people never get over getting voted out. When Tony tells Jeremy he's getting voted out, like, like I, I think we were led to believe this was Jeremy being like, I can't believe Tony, like, I'm gonna just follow my plan anyway. I think what we actually saw was Tony being like, really? Like, I, up until now, for... 24 hours 48 hours whatever have been under the impression that i'm safe and i can trust the people i trust and i can't like he got that like life flash before your eyes moment right like that's what i think we were seeing yeah possibly i don't know i saw genuine like frustration and surprise and his reaction and then he's like does michelle know and tony's like no i haven't told her yet you have to go tell her and he's like oh my gosh he's like but, he was like a zombie right like i don't know i think there's also in your reading you could be like i gotta do this quick or else i'm going home so yeah. i don't know I mean, also it's like what if michelle says no right what if like that's i think part of it too um and yeah i mean like this whole thing was like jeremy um demoralized kind of right like maybe through even if he didn't he looked like miserable that he lost um that death glare he gave ben like he's like are you serious like you lied to me really good stuff here from jeremy as a character Mm -hmm. which brings us to kim to kim who i think by sophie going home like put a lot of things into weird perspective for her because like i don't know kim outlasting sophie is something I don't think we were expecting for a while. <laughs> like, uh, there's all that early content. Well, not all that early content. I've spent a lot of time on this saying, like, it's not as bad as we thought it looked. Uh, it was just a tool for maybe to make Sophie look better. But now it looks interesting because Sophie was originally like, I'm the devil. How dare Kim trust me? What a terrible move. And now it's ended with, like, Kim being on Sophie's side. Sophie gives one of her tokens to Kim. Because she knows that Kim did not betray her. Very interesting look for Kim. I mean, all this plus her looking like she accurately read things. Despite getting played. Yeah, Kim's story here is super weird at this point. Because <laughs> you flash back a couple weeks ago and you're like, okay, so the uh, maybe just last week. It's like, Kim is there with the same amount of numbers as Tony and Sarah. And she gets, like, she loses the battle, I guess. Why? Because of a bunch of weird random advantages. And, uh-huh. like, was Kim just going to win the season if, like, her side had the steal a vote instead? I feel like that's kind of <laughs> what we're seeing here. That Kim actually played freaking amazing. And she didn't win, so uh, they just kind of threw some rocks at her here and there. But you're right. Like, so much of this season now is recolored where, like, I, even when I ditched Sophie as the winner, I was like, uh, she probably makes the finale Mm -hmm. and because she's gonna outlive kim (laughs) what are they doing she didn't outlive kim um well what if kim wins then i feel really freaking sorry for kim (laughs) i mean her edit like we've seen enough of kim she did have a really terrible merge episode which is why this is not really a real theory but just to explore it like i think she's had like good content 
where she's like, even if she's not in the right at the end of the day, she's portrayed as like playing a smart game and having wise perception. Like, I don't know. I think she looks really good. I just think that's more leading towards the next obstacle for Tony than anything. Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) Like, like, it very much seems like it's going to be Kim versus Tony next episode, and Kim is going to get taken off the board here. Yeah, them randomly building up Kim here. It's <laughs> like, uh, what? It, it's Betsy, right? In uh, Samoa. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's the one who sees through Russell. And you look at like every Edgic thing of that time in episode one, every chart I've ever seen has her listed number one, mostly. Right. Later. Right. And it, oh no, she's actually the next boot because that's not how they tell the winner story. I don't know if there's ever been a winner story where it's like they're the one who see through them. Usually it's like oh uh, they see through they're the one. The problem in survivor you need five. Um <laughs> well yeah, I, I think with Betsy we did see I believe she talked to Natalie, like, hey, do you see what's happening here? And there was at least a moment there. Maybe it was with Ashley or something. I don't know. I think it was with Ashley. Uh, I know what you're thinking, but but yeah, yeah, she was trying to pitch against Russell. Mm -hmm. But maybe there's a moment where Kim tells someone of the evils. The weirdest thing is it's like, that's either Denise or Michelle, and I don't, like, I think they have less of a chance than Kim at this point, so... (laughs) that's the thing is i i probably take like if you're like hold a gun to my head and you're like okay you have to pick between kim ben denise jeremy michelle yeah it's like sarah and tony go out in a double boot yeah winning the season i'm like (laughs) i don't know give me kim i guess (laughs) and they just hate her or whatever um but yeah like to me kim like i've i've grown a crazy amount of appreciation for her right mm-hmm. like she really she's is the Troisian of her season <laughs> where she's like do you guys not like she's just like cut the crap tony i know you're playing me mm-hmm. next episode kim's gonna get 14 confessionals yeah well wouldn't it be this week she gets 14 out no, because it's the last opportunity. Yeah, true, 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 true. I don't know. Yeah, I just imagine if Kim like didn't waste her idol in a stupid way. That's the one criticism I have of her. The one mistake Kim Spradlin apparently has ever made in the game of Survivor was last week. Because again, she sees through Tony. I feel like may like maybe generously the story is how she has the right reads but does nothing with it. Like, mm-hmm. why is she agreeing to vote Jeremy out here? That seems bad and lazy i think well if she i don't know like what's like, her, kim, kim could have done a 4-3-2 here uh she was one of the two though i guess yeah you're right so but good i mean Sarah, really to be like no kim you have to be one of the two true Don't that said yeah no you're right that's a actually brilliant play from sarah and those are the kind of small political plays that really actually do make differences mm-hmm. but you could see a world, right, where Kim grabs Jeremy, Michelle, and Nick here mm-hmm. and does the same like same thing but reversed. That's not impossible. She just hates Nick. Yeah, she hates Nick. Yeah. She was the one online. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard Nick got, or sorry, Evil Darling Vampire got some hate this week. Like, leave him alone. He's a nice guy. I, maybe not a nice guy, but like. I know he's like, also very not happy with this edit he's getting, which I mean, we'll get to it, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like they're 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 people. Leave them alone. They're they're just people who played a show. That's it. Yeah, they're gonna get voted out now. Yeah, like some of them never recover. Some of them never recover. You're right. Um, but yeah, no. To me, it's so weird. I I've literally been sitting here like 
trying to think why, like, why was Sophie the devil? Like, uh, all that stuff is so weird to me. I don't have an answer for what they were doing other than, like, they wanted a underdog. So they gave it to Kim. A weird, bizarre passes the torch edit where Kim takes, like, the very, like, the match that is Sophie's edit and, like, maybe turns it into a fire. Kim's the devil. (laughs) But the good devil. But that's the other problem is, like, the time we saw that, like, the torch edit, when you see that, it's, like, hyper-visible character turns premature boot, their ally wins. It's (laughs) never, like, middle-of-the-pack person leaves and their under-edited companion wins yeah i guess my still wasn't that visible yeah my idealization is that like kim gets her fire token and is like i guess i don't know i thought i was playing bad early on when i did gave that idol piece to sophie but i've came back a long way and now i have a real shot at this so but that's not very kim I couldn't improv a Kim confessional really well, but... <laughs> options. This gives me yeah. more options. Mm-hmm. Kim also looked, like, a sad. I don't know about you, but Kim looked <laughs> sad in this episode. Like, she was just like... What's, like, a good word for, like... She saw... Like, she saw the writing on the wall. She saw that everybody else was buying it. And she's just like, Jeremy, <laughs> do you really believe he's with us? And Jeremy's like, yes. And she's like, in confessional, like, he's not with us. He's playing us. No one sees it. <laughs> Uh, like yeah very like uh yeah there's no like good word for it but just like knows her fate and can't do anything about it like yeah it's like it's she's she sees the future Mm -hmm. she has all the info to save the future that's so terminator no one listens to yeah and then she looks really like uh the draggled in the next time on she's like guys we have to get tony out she's listened to me once and I'm I'm a sinking feeling that the story is they do not list like Michael <laughs> Bluth they did not listen because <laughs> yeah like I don't know this is this is like one usually the person the next time on getting heavily featured as the boot does not go home that's mm-hmm. usually easy calculus but then like who is it gonna be like this week, Tony said he wanted Kim or Jeremy, right? I think so. And now he now he likes Jeremy. Kind of just leaves Kim. She's the only one who sees through him. <laughs> really, I'm thinking Kim is uh, in deep, deep trouble. Hmm. I wish she had her idol. Especially for now where, like, I think if Tony's going back to Kagion's strategy, he wants to sort of get those alliances in a place where he can flip-flop easily between them. So he needs to at least get out like a Kim before he can flip back and go for... Yeah, if this is Kagi on Tony, he, he votes with Sarah and... Who else is there? Uh, Kim. Nick, Kim, yeah. Like Sarah, Kim, and Ben are now a faction. Yeah, you're right. Like, I feel and, like yeah. like he has to get Sarah on his good side again, right? Like, if Sarah's mm-hmm. his Trish, that's what he has to do. Um, So, I don't know. It's just... It's not looking great for Sarah. Or for uh, Kim, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked her in this episode. Um, yeah. I, I felt for her. Like, I mean, I, yeah. At, sometimes in the season, I've been, like, really low on Kim. I'm like, mm, maybe it was One World just sucked at this point i'm like you know i think kim is the best survivor player like mm-hmm. at least top five yeah that remains she's my favorite and the tony show she really shined where she could mm. and i really like him i agree on to michelle speaking of someone i really liked in this episode like shout out to michelle uh she conned tony yeah she's a really good liar is she like <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so I like, think that's a stretch. Earlier on in the season, like when Rob was interrogating everyone, she really held her own against Rob, I think. And then here, like she had a little like side eye as she scrambled for a lie. But like after that, once she had it, she like maintained eye contact and Tony fell for it apparently. So I don't know, Joe. I think what we're seeing, unfortunately, and I hate to say it, is I think we're seeing the good old tale of no one takes her seriously at all. At all. Like, that lie she gave was like, if I get voted, I have spent four tokens on, if I get voted out, a slightly better chance at coming back in. Like, one, who would ever buy? Like, and that's I think that's the thing, is the fact that Tony believed Michelle bought a thing for four fire tokens that only works if she gets voted out. The only way Tony buys that is if he thinks Michelle is incompetent. I don't think so. No? Like, nobody knows what fire tokens are for. I guess, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, Michelle knows she's in, a, like, a bottom position, or thinks she is. So, like, that's maybe the best advantage she'll get. I don't know, I would buy all of Michelle's lives. <laughs> I don't know, like, she's, like, umming a lot, and, like, uh, you know, um, I don't have one right now, but, you know, if I get voted out, um, she doesn't even say what it does. Like, Survivor doesn't usually do the, like, vague advantage. Like, sometimes it's stupid, as in the thing she described. Like, I guess that's one thing you could take into it is like Tony being like, oh, maybe production is that bad because that's his confessional, right? He's like, wait a minute. Her thing's worth four. Mine's worth six. What? Like, where are these tokens coming from? Because they didn't think it out. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like Michelle being a great liar is uh, uh exaggerated by circumstance. I, I really like her. I do think she gets the benefit of the doubt that uh, no one takes her seriously. A little bit. Yeah. Like, even Tony's like, Jeremy's like, have you told Michelle? And he's like, no it's your job you have a minute she'll just <laughs> vote with you like they're not even factoring in what michelle wants what she needs uh what her plans are apparently she didn't even know the plan how did she find it out we it doesn't matter she still considers herself on the outside despite voting with them i feel I like they just don't michelle's like a dead body in the game i think there was some weird manipulation where like it seemed like the scene where jeremy telling michelle could have taken place way earlier in the episode where like they're talking about how purportedly how voting out ben is their only hope and they're like, oh, I hope this works. And it's like, this is our only chance. And Michelle's like, we'll find a way out of it. But like, all that could have been like them discussing this vote. That's possible. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, to me, like, I like Michelle. Mm -hmm. I'm, I feel like I, I don't want to be this person. I feel like she's being tremendously overrated, like in every way, like winner equity, how well she's playing. She seems like she's just on the bottom and is like not taking that seriously. So no one's really wanting her out. Like maybe her social game's good, but like, I don't know. I, I do think that's important. Like I think she's easily of this group playing the worst, like easily. Uh, I think so. I don't know, but I think she's also scrappy. I don't know. I will defend her voting for Tyson last time. I guess some sort of okay intuition. Uh, she tells good lies. Okay. Do you think if Sarah, like, okay, same situation, right? Like, um, Tony goes up to Sarah and he's like, do you have a fire token? And she's like, no, um, I, you know, uh, if I got voted out, uh, on edge of extinction, you know, I don't, I get an advantage there. I don't have one now. Um, I spent four on it. Uh, you know, uh, it's there. No chance he buys that. Yeah. Because that's Sarah. Yeah. They have a he, different relationship. No, they, it's, <laughs> I think they see Michelle 
as like simple you know like like eh, but she's taking she advantage probably buy the dumb that. thing she's taking advantage of that no you're right it just that's the thing is like I'm, I'm trying to think of figure out how to thread this needle of like yeah good on her for conning tony but also it's heavily influenced by the fact that they don't take her very seriously <sighs> and other people could not make that same lie in the same delivery like i don't want to say she's a good liar because i feel like she's not i feel like she's a good liar relative to the fact that they don't think she's someone capable of lying <laughs> like Isn't tony's hair on cam could not pull this off it's a terrible idea for a lie maybe that's tony strength, would not even though. buy that Kim would want this. If you like, Kim would say no people, to it. If you convince people you're a bad liar, like that can make you the best liar. You're right. If it's not based on Koran. Like, if this is all like if this was their first time playing, I agree. Give Michelle all the credit. Throw her some bones. Good job. You convinced everybody you're not capable of lying. The reason they think that is because of Korong. And the fact that like not only in Korong was she playing a certain way. In this season, she's been outside of the vote multiple times, not knowing what's going on, been kind of out of her depth, and now she's pulling off, quote-unquote, pulling off this lie. Um, it's those two things going hand-in-hand. Hand. It's, it's the previous research backing it up. It's not her con that she's incapable of lying. Unless mm-hmm. you're thinking she intentionally did that and go wrong to win this season. <laughs> I just That's like a level of tinfoil hat I just can't buy. You know, I don't know. I think maybe I see some of myself in Michelle. I love her. Yeah, I'm on the bottom, but I'm playing with the the best way I can from here. (laughs) It seems like Michelle, like, like, what's her path to win? Like, what's her, what's she thinking? Like, I don't know, like, it'd be hard. Like, if you've just been left out of a vote at the final 10, what do you do? I think that's the thing is, like, I don't think Michelle is playing a path to win she's playing a path to the end for sure yeah almost like by necessity like she doesn't have time or the power to think of a path to win i mean we've talked about it a lot right like people always talk about how michelle has like the reason she won is this stellar social game i think we're seeing her not actually have a stellar social game but a pretty good social game and that's just not enough on this cast Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's the thing is like Sarah has a much better social game than Michelle. Jeremy mm-hmm. has a much better social game than Michelle. Even Denise has a much better social game than Michelle. Yeah, ben I mean, has a better social game than Michelle. Sarah's the fashion designer. Michelle's just a model. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who makes the money? It's the person making the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, you're <laughs> That's a great way to put it, actually. <laughs> and yeah, I guess Kim too, right? Like, Sarah Lucita greater than Kim. I, know, I guess I that's think... good for Michelle. Oh, wait, <laughs> I guess, where do you think she's going? Um, I don't know, like fifth place. I just always, uh, Michelle is going to get fifth place. I, I agree with the, I don't know, somewhere, <laughs> like, she, I guess, could be, like, could be, like, she could be the GOAT. Like, that's the possibility. Yeah, Go, Firemaker loser, fifth place, like, unremarkable fifth place. Mm-hmm. She's the growth edit. We've said it. I've been, I, I mean, I'll, I don't know about you. I've been saying it since that, like, guitar solo Michelle episode. Um, Forget exactly what boot that was. That was the Yule boot. Um, I've been like, oh, her story's over. I think it just continued to be over. She's still just there. Mm-hmm. Like, She's there and she's like, remember when I was deciding I was going to prove myself? <laughs> Smiles. At least I can tell a good lie. At least I can tell a moderate to okay lie. Speaking of music in the fashion show, there was like a weird new pop song for the fashion show. That was good. That's how you incorporate 
Like, I actually, if, yeah, if we're going to talk about music here, they actually use Survivor music this episode. They must be listening to this show. Um, <laughs> there are, like, every, moments of silence. Yeah. Like, to- some of Tony's confessionals just did not have music to back them. Uh-huh. It was like, mm-hmm. It was good. It was well composed this week. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I should have mentioned just in general thoughts is like the music wasn't obnoxious this week. Because <laughs> even like the non-guitar stuff has been over the top in the previous weeks. Mm-hmm. This week it was good. Like they used it a little bit with Tony fine like finally deciding to be himself and like crazy again. They played the positive music like when he found the idol, stuff like that. But some of them were just quiet. If you have like an outlandish thing like a uh, fashion runway. That's where you throw in the weird music. Right. To indicate this is a weird scene. Mm-hmm. Not like a challenge. Like people balancing. Like. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Good job, composers. Okay. That brings us to Evil Donathan Vampire. Who had all of seven sentences by my account this episode. Like, no confessionals. But yeah, like, still had development somehow. Um, I don't know, just a great scene. Like, like I said, I know Nick has had trouble with, like, his edit. Like, it doesn't seem like he deserves it. I don't think he deserves it. Um, but I thought this scene was fun to see, even if it was a little uh, turned on its head in the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they were not <laughs> nice to him. And he's just, like, smiling through it, like... You know I can't change my teeth, right? Like, that's a permanent part of me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because that's, like, a good general rule. Like, like, don't make fun of people for things that can't change, but, like... Right. um, Yeah, like, (laughs) it was really funny um, overall. Like, especially Ben just going so hard committed to this joke. Um, And Nick seemed to have, like, a good laugh with it by the end, but... Yeah. And Kim trying so hard to, like, spin it into a positive, like... (laughs) Have you seen Twilight? <laughs> uh, that said, I do think Nick, honestly, evil Donathan vampire, Nick, whatever, is not getting enough credit. I think he's playing really well. I, I All season I've been saying this. I think he's playing really, really well. He doesn't have any of those problems that these other people have where he was in the minority. He's now safely in the majority. Both times he's voted correctly almost, I, I believe, every time, actually. He's one mm-hmm. of the very few to do that. I believe it's him and Tony are the only ones. Mm-hmm. He had. Oh no! Wait, sorry. He not even him. It might only be Tony because he didn't vote correctly at the uh, Wendell boot. Oh, right, that's true. So other than that, but still, he's had a good pulse on the game for the most part. Additionally, we see him also wake up at the crack of dawn to look for an idol. Just happened that Tony found it. Like, which like this is all winners. Like, why isn't everyone? <laughs> Did they not watch David versus Goliath? Where that was a theme of the season that everybody woke up at the crack of dawn to find them. Like, it's just what you you have to do. Yeah. Like, we talked last time about how their optimal play is stifling things. Like, play optimally here. <laughs> I think, honestly, there's a strong case that David vs. Goliath's cast was better at Survivor than this cast. And I don't know if I'm willing to say it, but, like, I think I, th- I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Like, mm. I think they're are, I don't know, I wanted to say, like, fan, like, super fan-y, but, like, you would still want an idol. I don't know. Yeah, like, why isn't everybody waking up at night? Like, why can Christian and Mike White and, like, Mike White, literal millionaire, is out there waking up at the crack of dawn to go find idols? Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't need the money, it's not like he's desperate, whatever. Like, you don't have anything to do. The fashion show isn't until five. 
<laughs> right? Like, wake up early and then go back to bed. Put on your dress and then just sneak away. Mm-hmm. Like, um, that, and that's one thing I really like. Seeing him there really made me respect him a whole lot more. Because that's just mm-hmm. how much he wants it. Like the the fear for me, I guess, before this was like we've seen so many positive things with Nick and David versus Goliath of how much he wants it, and we've seen a little bit here, but not to the same degree. I think this is this episode was evidence that this is that's a that's an editing problem. Yeah, he probably is waking up every night at the crack of dawn to go look for Idol. He just didn't find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Despite his bad edit, he's really shining through as, like, a good player, an interesting player. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed in his bad edit. I do think he is sort of in the same boat as Michelle as, like, what's his path to the end? Oh, yeah. How does Nick win this game? <laughs> they even kind of flagged it up at Tribal, right? Like, Jeff's like, what do you think about resumes? And he's like, that's the paradox of Survivor is if you make a resume, you vote it out. If you don't, you get left at the end. What do you do? Yeah. And I mean, he won a season with like a goat and like kind of a goat that he almost didn't win against. So yeah, depending how much you buy that theory of, I mean, it seems well, re- like well documented that Mike White kind of just refused to admit that he wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And that hurt the jurors a lot. Like, like really? Like I spent like so long, like every waking day and you can't say you want to win, but like, Nick's an amazing survivor player. I yeah. think both times, like Mike White might have played a little better. Nick's not a goat there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, even if he had lost, if he's a losing finalist, if we have Mike White here instead, Nick's still a freaking amazing survivor player from making it there. It takes a lot of like he he actually made moves. He actually made sophisticated, hard to think of plays. And I think we're seeing it this season. He's involved in the 4-3-2. Like, yeah. And he doesn't just immediately say yes to Tony. He's like, wait, that's hard. Let me think about it. He crunches the numbers in his head. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, Sophie could go. Like, he does the same thing Jeremy does. But I feel like in a way that he, you actually see him on screen, sit there and think about it for a minute. And he's like, this is a good, this is a good move. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. I think he's really freaking good at this game. Yeah. He like might be last place in terms of who's winning this game. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I I mean, he might make a hundred K or 200 K or whatever the prize is. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. I don't know where he slots in. At this mm-hmm. point, I'm seeing, unfortunately, so many people that could be losing finalists. It's like a cast of losing finalists and then two winners. Right. Um. He easily could be a losing finalist. He's, he's just the one that like they didn't have time for. He's the Troy Zan kind of thing. Um. Especially like with the he like weirdly butts into combos thing. Hmm. Yeah. Because you got that this week too, right? Like him, it's like a scene of like Tony searching in the night and like you're like, oh, he's in the dark. And then Nick just walks up. And even before that, like they're having like post-tribal discussions and they like zoom out and like Nick is just there. So yeah, that's a thing. I know. Who would have thought he'd be the last one standing from that Alliance of Four from the first episode? right that's shocking show it to nick you know which like that alliance played out to very little <laughs> and i'm shocked how little it mattered like they were like in the middle on that first vote and then that was it yeah pretty much huh wild so that's enough with evil donathan vampire again a very funny scene i'm glad they referenced like the weirdness that is internet survivor fandom yeah and like donathan is a pole like we obviously know a regular Donathan for non-vampire Donathan, good non-vampire Donathan 
for getting mentioned on Winners at War. Like, dude's a super mm-hmm. fan. Yeah. Uh, you got mentioned on the biggest season. Good job. Mm-hmm. I don't even know There's, if Sierra Don Thomas has done that yet. Right. Yeah, like, there's very few, like, non-people on the cast, non-family members who've been referenced at all in this, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you include family members, it's, like, a bizarre. It's, like, Donathan, John Fincher, Rachel Folger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be the better way to... <laughs> Show it to Donathan. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe this is a sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so that concludes that, and we'll go to Sarah. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting thing. I mean, all season we've had, I think, our most interesting at the end. And I, I don't know. I actually don't even know what you're thinking here. I think, okay, so we're at the, I mean, none of these people have been winner contenders. None of them, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it's Sarah and Tony, but I think it's almost, it's not like I rank them one, two. It's like the season either goes this way or it doesn't. Yeah. And I don't really know which is more likely. That's the thing for me, too. And that's what it was for me last week. And a little bit the week before is like, it's Cops or Us. I think Cops or Us wins this game. Whether it's Sarah or Tony taking in the uh, two million bucks, I'm not sure. And that's the hard part here for me. Mm-hmm. I think Sarah is my number two winner contender. Um, yeah, if I, I had to. Sort of, if I if I did a percentage game and I was saying it's truly 50-50 Sarah, Tony, like a little bit of Sarah's percentage goes to a like out of left field like edge of extinction returning yes that's my thing too i'm like 49 tony 48 so or sarah one percent edge of extinction returnee and that's 98 percent. so oh no oh no sorry 50 uh, tony 49 sarah there you go but yeah yeah i think it's almost like everything i want to say about why sarah's winning like basically it's like sarah has a good winner's edit it's just how are you interpreting tony in all this yes it's like That's tony like a i guess distraction is the word you could use but like just the big character that gets knocked down and leaves the door open for sarah that's the thing right like we said it earlier you look at all the winners or sorry all the people that got the most con- like these mammoth episodes where it's just wall-to-wall their content right Mm -hmm. one of them is a winner (laughs) six Mm -hmm. of them are not right and i think that matters to my analysis a little bit but also the most is chris right like before this it was chris who is a winner who should be on the season by the way but uh i digress um who is a winner and that makes it so hard. This season is about the war between Sarah and Tony. They've built that up brilliantly. Sarah's story is like, I can't, like I said last week, I can't believe we missed it in such a major way of how it is about. She is, Sarah Lacina is our spokesperson for the social game. Mm-hmm. And like, being a nice person. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> literally the silent assassin from Game Changers, like, rip your heart out andrea like takes troy zan's wedding or uh, brad culpepper's wedding ring and troy zan's like uh is like his bracelet or whatever and threatens to burn them if they don't vote with her is our nice person social game <laughs> the person who made somebody swear on their dead sister that they died in the same that their sister died in the car with the person is our social nice person social game like in my opinion the most cutthroat ruthless survivor game ever played 
right is our spokesperson for the nice social game and i think maybe that's a thing in her favor is that why not if sarah's losing and she's just as big a belligerent in this war as tony is why not show her in this complete ruthless side like they're almost like going as far as they can to paint her as the good guy Mm -hmm. like and i mean i sort of done a 180 with tony being up here in my contenders but like I've seen so often the, like, slightly bad guy win. And so, like, it's not out of the ordinary for Survivor. So, I don't know, but it's weird with Sarah where it's like, they could make her as cutthroat as she seems. And all they've really done is, like, the one time she said she was being sincere and gave her a reward up, everyone was like, Sarah's a liar. Yeah. And that's the thing is, it's like, am I the slightly bad guy, duh? Or what? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) it's so hard to know because... That's the thing is Nick even gives a confessional and so does Adam about we saw game changers. We know that Sarah's willing to cut anybody. She's ruthless. She's insane. Like she'll cut anybody for any reason. She doesn't care. We have that information in this season. Mm -hmm. It's reminded us how brutal she is, but she's never acted that way in this season. She's been very, very nice. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately to me. The question is, does, is this the story of how, Sarah was super nice, played an amazing social game until she was forced to become barbaric and cruel and badass and then like cuts Tony and therefore wins. Or is it the story of how she can't crack being a good person so Tony wins? And that's to me the question that's so hard. Like it's mm-hmm. out guessing the show, which is hard to do. Like I don't I don't know if Sarah's arc's gonna be how she learns to take the dark side of her and the good side of her and use it to win, or if it's how she fails to be as cutthroat as she used to be, or there are a number of permutations this takes, all of them to me, except for like what like Schma's finish of like poverty winning, which <laughs> I, I think I, I think I would like. I don't know. Maybe I'd hate it. All of them lead to Sarah or Tony. Every single road leads to Sarah or Tony. Every right. relationship, every every person's story. The end feels like the story of how they related to Sarah or Tony's journey. Mm-hmm. Like this is a book. One, I mean, no, I was I was gonna go on a little rant about Harry Potter. I don't want to spoil Harry Potter for the audience. So I, I would say that sometimes fiction tends to overemphasize its main characters um to the point where no other characters stories matter outside of that i think harry potter fits that mold if you know what i'm talking about show it to neville um i think this story's taking the same pattern it's like michelle model for sarah kim model for so- uh, sarah like sophie best friend to sarah mm-hmm. nick goon to tony like jeremy reluctant to trust tony but does anyway that's what we're seeing we're seeing a war farm here it's tough Mm -hmm. yeah i think i don't know and the thing is i think it can next episode won't be like the lines drawn in the sand i think there's a good chance sarah and tony work together next episode i think then it's a question of does sarah ever snap out of it or is it too late when she does does she jeffra herself (laughs) exactly right like and that's that's the brilliant thing about this season right is they've been doing this from the first episode even the things that we didn't pay until now sarah's first confessional is about how they're all deserving winners and how this is going to be a bloodbath Mm -hmm. right like but the emphasis there is she respects everybody Mm -hmm. we get that a bunch at the merge her story is or her confessional is we're all lions the, the what we need to figure out is who has the biggest mane 
it attributes respect to everybody. It attributes um, skill and ability and all that to everybody. That's not Tony's story at all. Right. Stories, some people are less deserving. Like, way more villainous line. Mm-hmm. All of Sarah's stuff from the literally the very beginning has been about including people. Things will be hard, but you belong. We're all threats. We are all such good players. We're the best. We have the biggest mains, but only one's got the biggest um and yet and, there's time to be a good person throughout all of it there's time for yeah. fashion shows and giving up your reward and learning about als yeah like it, it's it's really bizarre and i just like it's really like gun to your head do you pick good or evil and i'm like <laughs> depends on what they're trying to say it's like weird because i think sarah's obviously the good person but i think even even though it is sarah and tony dominating the story it's even lopsided there where i think tony has so much more of the story that's like it's disappointing if tony doesn't win at this point for a lot of people yeah like that's i think my thing is like obviously like the good person should triumph here but the good person's also not the main character really that's yeah you're right that's a weird thing right like she's the good person but is she the hero mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if that's the case, like, I don't think we're meant to be rooting against Tony. Yeah. So then what's Sarah's role? Is she the villain? She's the villain for being the good person? Like, is the story, like, her emotions and being, desire to be kind made the game worse? Made her chances worse? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've seen rumblings of this, and I'm curious to know what you think. What do you think of both Sarah and Tony in the final three? <sighs> I, I don't think that's impossible. That would be like the Dominic Wendell style yeah. editing that I'm sure they would love. That's what they want, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a clear winner there and that's going to be annoying. But that's the thing is like, do you take Sarah's word that she has a better social game at its word or not? Because I think there's a lot of evidence that she doesn't have a better social game than Tony. And that yeah, like, I mean... <laughs> yeah, you, you brought that up, right? Like the fire tokens. Straight up, like, guy is a good social game. That Then again, we do see Tony, like, the spy shack, the spy nest, right? That's the name of it? Yeah. Like, stuff like that clearly rubs people the wrong way in a pretty major way. Does that make them not want to vote for him or not? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very, like, compelling final tribal council to think about. Yeah. But, like... It really is. She, she even says it in this episode, right? Like, Sarah's like, I don't know if I can work with Tony anymore. Like... He just wants the blind sides and the backstabs and all that kind of stuff. And I, I really do think that there's more to this game. Maybe there's not. Like, that could be the story. There's there's not more to it. I think if they're both in there, it's going to be very close. Could there be another tie? I've seen some people speculate that, but that's just, like, almost too good to be true. I would not. Like, I think if they're in the end, it ties. That's 17 jurors, though. Or 16. 16 jurors, 8-8. Eight, eight. <laughs> They both uh, get eight votes. That would be insane. Imagine they they both get more votes than a lot of the other winners got in their winning game. Imagine getting eight votes and losing. Uh, you get eight people to vote for you to get a million dollars and you don't get it. No, I think more likely it is like just very competitive and it's like a 9-7 or 10-6. Yeah, that's probably is more possible. But yeah, I, I think that's super possible, but that's one of many scenarios that I think are possible, right? Like at the end of this day, at the end of the day, I think it's important to remember, like, to me, it's Sarah versus Tony. Right. Sarah's story is about being kind, as weird as that is. But the thing that I mentioned earlier, we've been reminded over and over again that she does have this darkness inside of her that she's willing to pull out. She's never said that. 
other people have. I the question might just be, does she go darker than Tony? Like is next week a one 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 two vote that Sarah orchestrates? See, I just don't think either of them are going home next episode. Agreed. I I think they're both in finale. Right. And like I think one of them could be sixth and one of them could be fifth. One of them could be a fire-making loser. One of them could be a losing finalist. That I don't know. Oh, you mean like just one of, like, they don't go out six-fifth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, like, I don't know when the war ends. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it's gonna, and one of them is gonna win. Mm-hmm. And Sarah's story is either how she fails to become the barbaric survivor player, or how she does and wins, or how she fights the urges to become barbaric and wins because she's so likable. Those are the three paths, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, there's just so much story and struggle there. Yeah. Like, between, like, but what both of them need to do is, like, I mean, does Tony need to, like, chill out again? Or is he locked in full gear, and is that what he needs to do? Or, like, I don't know. I, I 100% agree. Like, I guess we'll, we'll move here at full force to Tony. Mm-hmm. And I think I had eliminated Tony last episode. And then, like I said, this episode sort of bummed me out because it was very Tony-centric and I wasn't liking the direction things were going. I think this discussion has sort of convinced me that there is still merit once you fully believe in the Serotony dichotomy of who's winning. Um, And I think also I sort of just came to terms with like, yeah, Tony's possible, but like, I don't know. Like I said, it's very 50-50. Yeah, my big thing is I just can't imagine, especially after this episode, like Tony not winning. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like we said, like when we went through the stories, so many of them were specifically focused on Tony's journey, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and there are... That match for deception like for putting these battles to win the war uh your past experiences even just being on house arrest stuff like that like they that's the other thing in the premiere so or sorry sarah and tony both say they're on house arrest they both have that there's so much of like the story that's been built up so far that is really almost just tony like sarah comes in at beats but like the ladder is a really big i think tony thing and like the shenanigans on the new decal like these are like main stories of the pre-merge and i know part initially i was like he's so visible like how could this be our winner and like now at his most visible is when i'm like i just can't imagine any other way and i then part of me is also like but this is the same trap you sort of fall into with like a christian or a rick devins where it's like yep they're so visible and they're so this main character that kind of looks like it could win. Like, am I just missing something? And then the thing I'm missing is Sarah or an Edge of Extinction returnee. So and I think that's actually a good point is one problem, arguably, with Tony is like even Aubrey, like Michelle beats Aubrey. That's not no one like the show is not editing you to root for Michelle in the same way that it's not editing you to make you root for Sarah. Like you're rooting for Aubrey. And then you're mad she lost, and that's the point. In the same way, could that be we're meant like we get to the end, Sarah beats Tony, and it's really like that's the reaction we're supposed to have. And maybe that's some of the Sarah's a good person energy is to sort of be like, well, at least a good person won. Like, mm-hmm. I don't it's, know though. Another, I think a separate argument would be if this season is meant to solidify a the champion of champions. Ben says as the merge, right? Like, 
That's what we're looking for. That's like what this season is going to do. That's why we're mm-hmm. here. It gives me goosebumps. The thought of being here that I'm there well, with a chance. If this is a coronation of the next, like, cause I think at this point, I think everybody with some, like maybe one or two exceptions left in the game. If they win are probably pretty dang close to the undisputed best player ever. Um, if this is a coronation, like a good old school or coronation edit, it's Tony. Like, I, I don't think there's a question of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... This is why Tony's the greatest player of all time, is what the winner story would be. Yeah, I really feel like from this episode, it can't go... Like, Tony can't be like, okay, now I need to turn it back down. Like, I feel like we're on full, full blast Tony all the way through to the win. Yeah, it's just I'm like almost... inexplicably how he plays just as crazy as he did in Kageyan mm-hmm. again. Yeah, yeah. And Game I Changers think... was a fluke. It's probably like he likely he's just playing this way all the way to wherever he ends up regardless. But like, yeah, there's no way he cools down, I don't think. Yeah. And then it's but then I'm like a coronation edit of that sort is just I mean, when has it happened before, I guess? Like, remind me of some examples of coronation edits that won. Um, Boston Rob. Boston Rob, Cochran. Um, And see, the thing is, it's Tony. So like, if we're getting full force Tony, that's like more than anything i mean think of tony and kagion and then turn that up a bit more and it's just it is this almost bizarre like edgic breaking thing but it's not really breaking it it's just edgic re- adapting for tony almost yeah i don't know no i see what you mean right because generally you disregard like the very in your face person but like Sometimes that person does win. And I mean, it's it's been said a lot. Like Tony is a unicorn. Like Mm -hmm. the guy's clearly ridiculously intelligent, but comes off insane. Like that's the thing is like his energy is fire red, Mm -hmm. but like, he's not like a terrible player. Like, or anything like that. Like, most players like him are bad. He's not. Right. Um, Which does make it a little weird. And I don't know, to me, he's my number one. It's really freaking close. But I don't know. Like, I would feel like if this is the Tony win and I'm like, Tony can't win. Like, at this point, it's like, I'd be uh, remorse to not have him number one. That's the thing, too, is it's like I sort of had to be like, I I guess for this podcast, I want to try to be it's not so important that i guess i'm right as that i'm considering all the options i think and so i i really don't think it's tony but like i can see the path very clearly like does that make sense like yeah yeah. i don't know like how i think about edric always has always been like i don't try to think too much about if i'm if my thoughts are right i'm like okay does this person have a path does that person have a path does that person have a path Mm mm-hmm Tony has the clearest path. It's a coronation. I just, right. I, I mean, I could see them doing that. Like, like, and you even flash back to moments like in the premiere, him and Sandra hugging mm-hmm. is about the two, both two time winners. Maybe. Um, but it's, if you remember, it's Sandra, Tony and Sarah in an alliance. They get yeah. all kinds of these fun moments together. Wait a minute. Those are our two possible winners. Darn it. <laughs> Um, it really is from the very beginning, the story of Sarah and Tony and like cops are us, like the latter Sarah narrated it. Like hmm. Tony got the big moment. Sarah narrated it. All of the moments have been, uh, feedback between the two. And I think that's, I think has made this so good. I think the criticism would be, well, this is a cast of winners. Like surely 
the other players have good stories too, which is why it's bizarre they've centered so far on these two. But I think it means that it has to mean that this has a huge payoff. Like this has to be the payoff of payoffs is the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much where I want like a genie to come in. Be like, poof, you can't see Edric anymore. And like, what do I think of this season? Because it's very hard to imagine. Like, it feels like Tony and Sarah and six other people. I'm sure. Like, I feel like if I was just like a casual fan, like, I feel like at this point, the season's reared reared its head to the point where even to the casual audience, like, are they considering anyone genuinely other than Sarah and Tony? I feel like no. This episode was like... maybe, Maybe Jeremy... Maybe Jeremy, maybe Kim. She sees through him, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But like, I, like the char- the two characters, the two, like if you took them out of Survivor and put them in another show, just from this season, the only two that would make any sense that you could see them interacting with SpongeBob or Mickey Mouse or whatever are Sarah and Tony. If that makes sense, mm. <laughs> like they're a three dimensional character. Each of them that have ideas and thoughts and impulses that we understand and you could see them interacting with somebody not affiliated with survivor whereas like like what what does this version of denise look like hanging out with me i don't know she votes out sandra like that's her character okay yeah yeah she's a cop and after she's a cop she wants to be a fashion designer she doesn't even say that like i don't know I don't know. I hope Sarah has an Etsy shop I can like buy a shirt from. Like I would buy a shirt from Sarah. Oh, I I don't know if I want to buy the types of shirts Sarah's making. The the um skirts were a little odd, I thought. But no, that I thought that skirt that she designed for I think Kim was very fashion forward. For like shawl. Mm. Yeah, Sarah's I thought looked the least good of all the designs she made. I feel like Which she pulled that together social- at the last minute. That could be the social game. You give yourself the ugly one. Mm-hmm. that's true social game mm-hmm. but yeah like i mean this episode was wall-to-wall tony like it wasn't even close some of that was necessity i mean right like some of it was necessary right content. and well i mean a, a lot of it like really this episode was to- like tony found an idol tony got extorted tony came up with the plan to do yeah. the like this episode had to be big for him and i think you take advantage of how great a character tony is and blow him out of proportion a little bit but like yeah straight up if tony gets voted out next week this episode doesn't look much different i don't think right yeah that's one thing i mean like i don't think he does but this episode probably looks mod like pretty dang close so yeah like if it weren't for the next time on i think a a tony boot would be very likely i think a tony idol is very likely Mm -hmm. i think tony could easily get the votes on him next week like that's Mm -hmm. the other thing tony could just bend his way to the end i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either that maybe this was a terrible move and everyone wants to know now and he just like is immune the whole way i think when you look back at winners it's shocking how many really didn't play that well and were immune the entire endgame and would have been voted out if they were not. I know, like, looking back on One World, like, I did not think Kim won the, like, four of the five last immunities. Yeah, Kim like, won four she, immunities. I knew she won, like, a lot, but I thought they were more spread out. Jenna Maraska gets voted out if she doesn't. Nick gets voted out if he doesn't. Like, I'm trying to think, like... Even Michelle gets voted out if she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, Michelle, the voice of, like, the social game, gets voted out if she doesn't win immunities at five, four, six, whatever. Um, that's that's the crazy thing, right, is how many... Jeremy gets voted out if he doesn't win the final four. I can't remember... Did Denise win the final immunity? No. No, Scoopin did, right? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, because Malcolm was targeting Denise. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's one. Ben, obviously. I mean, he wasn't immune. But, you know. I think a weird, a weird example against is Tommy. Like, Tommy never needed an immunity. Uh, Joe, the more I think about it, I think I think Tommy's the greatest winner of all time. I, I don't think it's close. Um, the further I've been away from that season, like, I think Tommy's the best player of all time. Um, and I mean, Sarah also. Sarah, yeah. Sarah, Tony. Oh, yeah. Tony famously yeah. has never won one. But he had his I, bag of yeah. tricks, which is like a weird half immunity in itself. But that was at four. Wait, at three, wait. just good old fashioned deception. Oh, true. Same with Sarah, oh. though, right? Like, good old fashioned deception. Um, well, in that case, that was the wedding ring. But still, like, yeah. It's it really is like Sarah, Tony, Tommy, uh, like a couple like Tom. I mean, Tom almost got Tom voted Ar- out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tom won the final immunity, but like I would count that as deception, you know? Yeah, it'd be an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, I mean, it's shocking how many of them are just they play big and then they're the biggest threat at six and then they win the last three. Mm-hmm. Or at five and then they win the last three or whatever. Like, yeah, this I think most winners pass. With Kim, we've always sort of thought of it as like she was making the decisions anyway, so she didn't need mm-hmm. the immunities. Maybe she didn't. Like maybe she leaves at four or five, whatever. Even I mean, like yeah, like I mean that's I think a huge, huge, huge factor that not enough people talk about. So it's not super outlandish. Like Tony could idle next week, win well, another challenge. I will say he would then. I mean, wherever he puts his idol, he would then have to win. What are we at eight now? He would have to win five immunities. Or four of those five immunities plus the two he just won, which would be insane. a record. Yeah. Well, he could even just like idol, idol, immunity, immunity, idol. Sure. The true Ben. Fire making. Like, mm-hmm. that's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, and like, this could be a coronation. It could be Tony plays bet. Like, that's that's why I have Tony above Sarah. Sarah cannot bend her way to the end right now. Sarah has to play really freaking well and embrace the dark side or defy it or whatever bear and like social her way to the end tony could dominate and just like missed everybody he could win every immunity challenge he could idle every time he could do a mix of those he could like just he could uh, roller coaster it and have peaks and valleys mm-hmm. he's more options in that way of like different ways his story could go where sarah it's like it's, sarah plays the best if she wins tony could play terrible and win Right now. That's fair. Speaking of someone who needed to win an immunity to win. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sophie. Or Idol. No, she didn't have an Idol at the Final Four. Oh, yeah. No, I thought you Which meant. really, it wasn't that she needed to win it. It's just that Ozzy couldn't win it. Yeah. Yeah, she did need one to win. Mm-hmm. But, like, one. Yeah. Uh, Poor Sophie. Rip. I felt so bad for her. She got but, me. Like, Yeah. At least she got a pretty good edit, though. The problem is mm-hmm. it sort of like floundered post merge. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't deny that I defended it, but it really just like lightened in content until she went out with a whimper here as well. I think. I mean, literally, yeah, that's one thing. One thing I want to talk about is this like weird new trend of the super quiet, huge threat boot episode. Like, that's my one criticism with this episode, other than the extortion advantage, which I know you like, but, like, like Christian Hubicki got this, too. It's just, I don't think it's good. Like, I, I don't know, like, I think the idea is to be shocking. It's like, well, they wouldn't vote her out when she gets no content this week. But now, I'm, I watch the episode, I'm like, oh, 
There's a boot target that was mentioned in one line. They're probably going home for shock value. It usually is a good pattern to follow. Uh, Tyson last week. I know because sometimes like in that last episode, Denise also. Yeah, that's true. Didn't get a ton of mentions. And so it could have. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like it as a story. story. It's too right. meta. It's too meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and it's weird to like just let them like stop getting content. Like, I don't know. Yeah, surely she could have said something other than the idol. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure she had input on the fashion show. She was the mm-hmm. MC. She like, was where the- is that in the social game of the fashion show? Yeah, is it? I feel like it's designer MC model. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the MC, like, like we know, like, they just, they, like, they're just a host. They get, like, a separate fee. They probably make more, like, uh, Ryan Seacrest makes more than uh kelly clarkson in american idol or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know like sophie was a lot of fun i'm glad that they gave her a good edit like otherwise this would have been like imagine invisible sophie like purple sophie with this goodbye message (laughs) that would have been haunting um Mm -hmm. and maybe that's another thing like they knew that they had a good moment there and so they knew that that could kind of anchor her story here well and i think i really think like this is a turning point and it's a good like strategic move to be yeah. made so they want yeah, this is of- this is the second this is the third arc right of the season mm-hmm. is show someone who's a little capable and i mean sophia is a lot capable but like show them in a capable spot yeah or they have been they've been literally the devil literally the devil Sophie didn't play very devilish. She seemed like she was very loyal. And no, nice. I mean, she literally gave the idol back to Kim and then gave Kim a token. So, like... Yeah, they were aligned. Like, <laughs> that's the worst thing of this entire season, I think, that moment. Yeah. It was just a bungling of storytelling. Like, it was a lie, is what it was. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. from Sophie and production. <laughs> like... Sophie was lying in the moment that was the worst thing she could do and then they aired that which is all the embrace of a lie like really like I don't know like I said Kim, Kim's playing great mm-hmm. it's weird that like Sophie has probably been edited as the third best player and she's coming ninth yeah right well I think Kim is on her heels right now yeah Kim's on her heels at this point but like the fact that they had Sophie just dunk on Kim early on you're like mm-hmm. it's bizarre Actually, this might be where Kim surpasses Sophie. Is like next week, Sophie yeah. Sophie got taken out, whereas Kim's still here. So next week, when Kim gets voted out, yeah, no, that's, that's gonna be the week she does it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really do think we're gonna get sad stuff next week with Sophie. I don't think she's gonna take this vote out well. Um, and that's not me. Like, I, I feel like Sophie's a very mature, uh, strong person. But this episode really, I think, anchored on that idea that. Some people just can't, never get over it. And Sophie feels like, especially because she never got voted out before, they remind us of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. Feels like a prime candidate for that. So you don't, you're not feeling a returnee, Sophie? Um, I don't think it's impossible. This episode feels like a weird one for that to be the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, agree. I mean, Rick Devins was kind of quiet in his boot episode, right? Like, that was the, he did nothing wrong mm-hmm. one. Well, and I guess Sophie didn't do anything wrong either, but. Yeah. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, it's not super likely. I mean, we'll see what she gives us next week. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't really have her as a contender anymore, and it's more because I don't think she's coming back. Because I think if she does, if she does come back, like, she does have weird, I think, potential. If she Um, comes back, it makes sense story-wise. You're right. For me, this is a challenge thing, I think, in my head, ultimately. Like, I I don't see Sophie winning a challenge against these people. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe that's wrong. But, like, story-wise, I mean, if we're assuming 
Ben, Sarah, Tony make the end. Like Sophie makes sense in that finale. Right. It's just I don't I don't even know who the other people would be. Like <laughs> I honestly think it's Nick. I don't know if Sophie and Nick had much. I mean they were in the alliance together. It's true, but that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. I don't know. To me, it's mostly like, I feel like she's in hindsight. Her story seems a lot more edge of extinction-y than I thought. And I feel like it's the story of how she doesn't take it well. This is a tragic tale, I think. I think the tricky thing was we saw in the first edge of extinction, Julie Rosenberg be like, I don't want to go to the edge of extinction. And yeah. she didn't. Whereas for Sophie, it seems to have gone the other way. So, yep. Yeah. So that's Sophie. Mm-hmm. Um, Next week, I believe that our good girl, Kim, is going to get roasted. How about you, Joe? Well, I would say Kim as well. But since you have said Kim and we have to say different people, let's just... I've played patient for so long. It's time to go crazy and I'm going to pick Tony. (gasps) I mean, who would have thought Sophie was going home here? We were like Denise or Michelle. (laughs) And then they didn't go home. I mean, somehow, like, somehow Denise, Jeremy, and Kim are all still in the And Michelle are all still in this game. <laughs> no freaking story at all right now. Like, mm. Denise has got nothing. Denise has no story, nothing resembling a story. It's It's been over since she killed Sandra. Now she's just, like, kind of Sandra, too. Surely she has to go soon. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Because she can't be a losing finalist. She could be a fire-making loser, I guess. But, like, I don't think she makes the finale. Like, that's the thing. I feel like... Yeah, like she does, but... There's so many people that could be the vote next week. It's hard. Like, that's the problem. When you have two people, like, I don't think it's Sarah or Tony. Uh, I don't think it's... I would be shocked if it's Ben. I'd be shocked if it's Evil Donathan Vampire. Other than that, I feel like it makes sense. Jeremy would be pretty wild, but I could see it. Yeah, Jeremy seems unlikely, but possible mm-hmm. it would be tony flipping back really soon too so yeah he did that in kageyan i guess yeah i don't know kageyan worked where he could do it like back and forth like every episode because he always had like trish or cast by his side yeah and maybe that's the, that's the one thing i guess i didn't mention is maybe sarah's just cat uh sorry not uh cast uh trish mm-hmm. and like because that's kind of trish's edit too like she's just such a great social player and nice and great yeah winner i think cops are us I, that's my only contenders and i have tony slightly above sarah but i think i'll have sarah slightly above tony Ooh, and i think yeah. that's a fine pick outside chance of the edge of extinction returning yeah i'm scared to even put that on there <laughs> And, like, I know the first season we hated to just say Edge of Extinction and Attorney because that's, like, ten people that I'm, like, saying all of them. So, I don't know. Man, I, in hindsight, if we said that, we looked really freaking smart. If we just didn't have that weird uh, abrasion uh, or... Like, aversion? Detest- yeah, yeah. To that idea, like, we look really freaking smart in that season. I'm just saying, sure. like... Early on, like episode two, we're like, mm, Edge of Extinction, the complex tribe. Edge of <laughs> Extinction's winning. Um... I'm going to, if I had to pick one name, though, let's go with uh, Parvati. Yeah, no, I, 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 if I was to genuinely make my list, I would do Tyson, Sarah, Parvati. <laughs> That's it. Sophie, maybe. Sarah? Didn't I say that? Yeah. Tyson, Sarah, Parvati, Sophie. Wait, no, why are you saying Sarah? <laughs> For winner. Okay. Like, but like, I would only really have Cops or Us. But, okay. like, if I was really going to stretch it for just people, Parvati would be third. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. And for pure Edge of Extinction returnee, I would have it as, like, 
Parvati, Danny, Natalie, Sophie, Sarah. I think Sarah's story could be getting voted out coming back. Tony's could yeah. too. Tony could also come back. Yeah, I guess I didn't mention that, but I and I didn't really think it through. But there is this weird, like, sort of Tony as the edge of extinction returning idea. I don't know. It's possible. That seems really bonkers, but it could happen. I mean, he's clearly good at challenges mm-hmm. in this season. Maybe everyone else is bad, but just challenges where he has to be patient and still. Yeah, <laughs> who would have known? But yeah, no, I, I I think you're right. I think that's a possibility. You know, yeah, I would. Do poverty, Natalie, Danny, Sarah, Tony for education attorney. I think I would do Danny, Parvati, Natalie, Sophie. That's not bad. So that's the end of our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can email us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. We have a new episodes on Saturdays and Sundays. Not and Sundays, Saturdays or Sundays. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at DannyKillsBees. Joe's on Twitter at jchapman9000. Farewell. Have a wonderful night. Yep. Goodbye.